Gentlemen, all men strive for gold in their life, right? Gold medals, gold watches, gold everything. However, there is a certain type of man who goes the extra mile. He walks with the confidence of an eagle and giggles in the face of danger. He's a big, hairless, winning machine, and when he unzips his pants, he sees platinum. That's right. Manscaped would like to introduce you to their best and biggest ultimate hygiene bundle yet, the Platinum Package 4.0. Manscaped is the leader in below-the-waist grooming. Now trust them with the whole shebang. Join the 4 million one worldwide who have joined Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code PFF. Manscaped's brand new Platinum Package 4.0 is the biggest bundle they've ever offered, giving you the bulk discount on Manscaped's top products. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code PFF. It's time you enjoy the finer things in life and get yourself a platinum package for your platinum package. Welcome in to Talking Fall with Mike Renner. I obviously am Mike Renner here, but it's not just going to be me on the Talking Ball podcast. It is also going to be, if you're a tailgate listener, producer Mike Quinn will also be joining me on the Mike Quinn. How was your summer, man? It's good, man. So I always use the joke that like working at PFF is kind of like being a teacher and that you yeah. don't, like I know teachers work during, during the summer and so do we, but it's uh it's scaled back significantly. So yeah, I mean, if you work at PFF, you probably enjoy your summers and uh, it's good to be back, man. Like I, I, you mentioned the tailgate listeners. I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of tailgate listeners because we actually put this up on like the tailgate RSS feed. So if you logged in your phone this morning and you saw, oh, there's a new episode of tailgate, kind of not. I mean, it's yeah. it's two out of three. I will know? say I uh, I was pretty jazzed about the summer off or like the the little hiatus, I'll say, because I'm coming back stronger than ever this season in terms of like my excitement for this podcast this season. I think I needed the summer. I played a lot of golf and it was fantastic. Um, didn't watch a lot of baseball though. It did not. I'm a Brewers fan, uh, not a Reds fan here in Cincinnati. That, that did not, that's not what I did with my time off, but let's get into the talk about podcast and what you guys are going to expect here on this show. Uh, pretty much every show is going to be kind of a segment of about 30 to 45 minutes that starts with the talk and ball segment, which will be just stories around the NFL and then on to kind of like a bigger, higher level, whether it's, you know, mock draft rankings, game previews, game reviews, that sort of thing. And then we're going to get it to interviews. We got a lot of good guests lined up for you on this podcast. We have Austin Gale of the ringer. You may know him, may have heard of him, an elite mind in the space. He's going to be on this show a little longer this show. But we're going to have, we got Kevin O'Connell lined up. We got uh, Brett Bielema lined up. We got Eric Alco, the Shrine Bowl director lined up. We're going to have a lot of great guests for you. So every show you can expect a guest interview. If you guys want to skip over that, they're going to be a little longer form interviews. 30, to, uh, 30 minutes to an hour is what we're shooting for with all these guys. Get to really know them. Get really deep in the weeds with these dudes. If you want to skip those, that's on you. That's your prerogative. We're going to give you a full show outside of that as well. So about a half hour interview, half hour before that, and then half hour at the end of segments that we're going to get into on this show. We're going to be looking at positive vibes only online is one of the names of the segment. Can't wait to see what that one's all about. It's Acho time. That one should be fairly self-explanatory. Never ending um, content. Never ending. That one, we can make that a daily uh, episode or a daily segment, and, and there would be content there to fill. Would you rather 
which when we get to it, I, I literally stole this from Matthew Collar of Purple Insider. I was asking him for tips on how to solo host. And he said, do a would you rather. And so I'm doing a would you rather. So shout out to Matthew Collar of Purple Insider. If you don't know him, go follow him. And then football adjacent power rankings at the end. So those are at the end. Let's get into, though, the talking ball segment. Some stories from around the NFL. We got into a lot of these with Austin Gale, so I'm going to keep this one fairly brief. Talk about some pre uh, preseason training camp takes. Um, my thoughts on preseason to kick it right off on this. I'm going to really get into on the Monday show, like stock up, stock down for rookies, who looks good, who looks bad, that sort of thing. But I do think it's valuable in terms of like player evaluation, especially for rookies, who's ready. And, and especially like along the line of scrimmage, offensive linemen, who's going to be week one, starting and looking good, who is ready to play right out the gate. I am not making any sweeping generalizations about a guy's career. Like the fact that Matt Corral looked like absolute shit and then got hurt and is going to miss a season. I don't think that has a bearing to me on what he's going to be for the rest of his career. So uh, that's just get that out of the way. Just say that right now. I will say though, when you get these training camp highlights from beat reporters and beat reporters takes from like camp, I really take those with grain of salt. Now, now, a guy like consistently making plays and like for weeks on end, getting hyped up from beat reporters and then like coaches saying stuff about him, sure. But I mean, I don't trust a lot of like journalists taking like what happened after a game when, when they say what happened. So I'm not going to take those reports from camp and really run with those a lot too much in the preseason. I'm going to trust what I see with my own eyes on an actual football field in the preseason games. So like I said, Monday, we'll get into those a little bit more. But we did have a good story from this past week. Story may not be the right word, but we did have a good sort of litmus test, I'll say, of do you watch tape and do you know what the hell you're watching on a football field or not? And it was the Kayvon Thibodeau injury on a cut block from Thaddeus Moss in the Bengals-Giants game last week. It is a cut block that happens dozens of times around the NFL each week. It, pro it happened multiple times in that same game. It happened, I tweeted out a clip the next day of that block being thrown from O.J. Howard on the Bills on a Colts defensive end. I'm not exactly sure which one. It is a low block that happens on split zone plays. And you saw anyone that was calling it dirty, anyone that was calling it shameful, suspension worthy, they, they just either one, have a problem with the game of football itself, or, or two, you haven't watched enough to know that that's just a block that happens all the time. The tight end comes across formation on split zone and cuts the defensive end. Because if he takes him on high, he's going to get his ass kicked. His defensive ends are 20 to 30 pounds heavier than most tight ends, are far more physical. And it's just a block where when you're in space, getting low on a guy is a far easier way to get him to the ground, to get him out of the play than trying to engage that defensive end. So that one was one that I had to call out for a number of reasons. But basically, if you saw someone lamenting that block and saying, oh, Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, that was cheap shot. No, like I would simply suggest don't take on a block with your MCL. You know, don't lead with your knees because that is a block that's going to happen to you daily or weekly if you're Kayvon Thibodeau in the NFL. If Thad's dad did that, Randy, people would have loved it. Yeah. People love it every day. They'd be like, you got mossed. Yeah, you got mossed. Yeah, you kind of did get mossed. Randy probably has thrown that exact same block. And it's not – it's unfortunate, but I do think that we're legislating out high blocks – you know, we we're legislating out guys going for heads, guys going high up around the shoulders. You're limiting the strike zone. I, I, I don't think that's one that the NFL is going to take a look at and say, we need to take this out of the game. That one's pretty run of the mill. I, I mean, I get that they got rid of the offensive line getting cut down to the edge. 
But that's a little different scenario where you have a 180-pound guy going up against a 300-pound guy where that 180-pound guy can be coming quick at an offensive lineman who's just not ready. Whereas the tight end is coming across the formation, can't build up that head of steam to really take out the knees of a guy unexpected like that. So it's unfortunate. Uh, and I was looking forward to watching Kayvon Thibodeau play more because truthfully in the two games, he really hadn't shown much. Looked a lot like the guy we saw at Oregon in terms of like lacking a pass rush plan. But yeah, I, I do think that's one that not as big a deal as it's being made out to be. That's all we got, though, for the Talking Ball segment. Like I said, let's get to the interview with Austin Gale because a lot of good stuff there. Here we go. I am joined now by friend of the pod, big friend of the pod, roommate of the pod currently, Austin Gale, the ringer zone, an elite mind in the space and is in the flesh right here. Our first in-person guest. How you feel, buddy? Dude, I can't believe... One, that you're doing a podcast without me. I fucking hate that. I'm sad. Two, it's sick to be back in the studio. I freaking love that. Um, can I say something to yeah. start? Welcome in to Tailgate in sunny <laughs> Cincinnati. I miss it, man. Cincinnati. We're still roommates now, but um, I'm, I, I'm excited to get I know. Out I tried to listen to your pod. You're on the NFL show, the yeah. Ringer NFL show with uh, Jason Goff. Is yeah. That right? and, and I got like 15 minutes and I'm like, dude, I can't do it. I can't listen to him on another podcast. It's not right. Just doesn't feel right. But we are still living together. Until October, when you're going to move out to LA, I'm going to be then actually rooming with Trevor Sigma. I don't know if that's common knowledge or if that's yeah. finalized yet, but then Trevor's moving in. So, homie hopper, which is going to get <laughs> us to our very first topic to get into because we missed a lot this summer. Zach Wilson, the homie hopper. What a story that was. I have a take. I have okay. a take on that. And I'm excited that Catch and Only Buzz lives on, even though maybe you're not using that framing for this new podcast. But is that not the best? news that Zach Wilson has had all off season. The fact that like he slept with a mom or like supposedly slept with a mom or whatever it was, that was the most positive news Zach Wilson has had in his like fucking two year NFL (laughs) career. And like you had CJ Uzama coming in with like number, like he has like a Zach Wilson shirt that says like man of the people or like number one voted person or whatever. Since then made that awful decision to cut back inside instead of going out of bounds to hurt his knee has not like looked good in practice. People are saying Joe Flacco looks better. The line movement on the jets, by the way, in week one being non-existent with, even though it's probably likely he's not going to play, is, is hilarious. I mean, the Mill Slayer stuff was the best of his two-year career so far. I mean, it legitimately won over the locker room. for Like, like she thought his ex-girlfriend was now dating Dax Milne. Legitimately thought that that was a burn. It, like, she, <laughs> she did not understand how, you know, males operate, which was probably what led to the breakup. But legitimately thought he was burning. She was, like, getting him by saying that when every man in America is immediately like, Nice. Yeah. The quote, the quote, like, or her caption or or like the comment was, Oh, I'm a homie hopper. He slept with his mom's best friend. And everyone's like, That's sick. (laughs) Which is kind of fucked. Like, I think if you like, if you pull back a little bit, you're like, Okay, if this guy was like sleeping with older women at like 18, like, I look at the mom in that situation. I don't know. It's a weird thing to talk about, but it is hilarious. That is the thing, though. Like, everyone conjures up in their mind, like, Zach Wilson's mom's very attractive. You're just like assuming it's a very attractive woman, but your average, like, 40 plus year old female, it's not, you know, but we're getting into dangerous territory here, but I get what you're saying. But, but Quinn, you have the video. We can, if we can check it out, his mom on Instagram showed the friend and really, said, yes, let's check this video. No, wait, really? In case y'all missed it, Zach Wilson's mom, Lisa shared what her friend looks like on Instagram. And here it is. This is my cute friend, Susan. Hi. She has Bijou. I got sweaty at her dance class too. Yeah, she came and shared it with me today and sure I said, did. Look at all these cute necklaces. I must come 
Yes, yes, yes. You have and all these just so you know, no. Okay, the people questioning, so, no. Shut up. No, 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 no. Shut up. I have good friends. You guys are idiots. I don't know. That that's dangerous game here. I don't like that they're playing into it. I I do. Th- why would she? Like, I think it may have it probably happened. Right? Yeah, I, I agree. Like, after watching that video, I had not seen that before. Like, just the demeanor of both moms in that situation. I don't know. I don't even know if she's a mom, right? It's a mom's friend, mm-hmm. you know? So maybe she doesn't have kids. Who fucking knows? But, like, she's like, no, it didn't happen. Didn't happen. That's, you know, I talk about positive news for Zach Wilson. That mom's friend, most positive news positive. she's probably seen in her career as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to... More catching early buzz here. We'll, we'll rehash it. Keep it. I'd love you to keep it. That'd be Dude, good homage, homage to the tailgate pod. Dude Perfect is now announcing Thursday Night Football. Or is they doing a simulcast for Thursday Night Football? Your, your, your favorite YouTube channel, Dude Perfect, right? You've told me that Oh, before. my God. So we, for those who, big tailgate listeners, which I'm sure we have a lot of on this podcast, me and Mike still like text off and obviously we live together. As soon as I saw that news, I said it to you. I'm like, who in the absolute hell is watching that? Like, dude, perfect commenting on NFL games sounds like an absolute nightmare. When did these guys become more than just, like, trick shots? I, I don't follow them enough to know if they, like, actually, like, know football or anything. They had the first mover advantage. Like, they had the first mover advantage that they were the first people to figure out that sitting there for three hours trying one trick shot and then putting that one clip on YouTube is, like, good content that people will watch. Yeah, If yeah. you do that for, like, you know, enough times, people find that interesting. And there's, like, whole... TikTok accounts now dedicated to it that people just like live stream themselves like doing these stupid ass challenges that have a bunch of followers like people that's an interesting thing their personalities on the other hand are not why people watch them so unless they're doing fucking trick shots on the side during these games I don't know what the hell Amazon's doing they're throwing money left and right though for this shit their late I just went to their Twitter which I have never been to before one of their latest tweets is dude perfect plus a cruise cruise perfect and it's them in this little I this looks like hell this looks like hell. And then Dan Orlovsky on August 13th, the latest Dude Perfect episode, World's Longest Trick Shot Machine, top three ever. Absolutely fantastic. That's all you need to know. That really That's is. all you need to know. Like That's, that's all you need to know. I am so, I'm going to watch. It's going to be like watching pain, but I am going to watch. It's going to be, I, I just don't have high hopes for it though. The Dan Orlovsky endorsement really like, you saw that coming from a mile away. You could have just told me Dan Orlovsky, he probably has his kids, they probably sit down on like a Friday night and just go through all the Dude Perfect videos. There's the also nothing impressive. You brought up like the TikToks like dedicated to doing those like trick shots or whatever. Like you have guys who are sitting down at the top of a stairwell trying to like throw a coin into a cup for like an hour, like days on end. There's nothing impressive about that outside of just like your sheer commitment to the bit. You know what I mean? In terms of just sitting there trying to throw like a CD into like an old Wii. Like I, I don't understand the infatuation with those things. It's not that fucking cool. If you, if you do it for eight hours and then you hit one, it's not that cool. Yeah, it, it really is pretty lame. Like, legitimately, that's a lame thing to do as your like life yeah. is to just do trick shots. But they make a lot of money for it, so I can't even hate that much on it. But um, all right, last catch and early bus here. No, we got a couple more. Yeah, yeah here. there's two here. Kyler Murray calling plays in the fourth quarter. Cliff Kingsbury turning it around on him saying, hey, you think this is so easy? You go do it. Immediately, I thought of you because this is my, you're Mr. Like anti Cardinals. You hate everything to do with decision making in the front office. Yes. At the head coaching position, you have a war on Flock Nation, which I think I actually use that right. I think they are actually. I think Flock they Nation. are Flock Nation. Okay. No, they're the Red Sea. Oh, no, they're the Red Sea. It was Baltimore that was Flock. <laughs> yeah, Baltimore. You I have think a is... war on Flock Nation. Yeah, I do. Now. What did you think of 
the move. The, the Kyler Murray saga over the offseason has been insane. Like, obviously, you had the contract that said, like, he had to, like, commit four hours of independent study, which people people asking after that, like, how the hell does the Cardinals have... I, I brought this up on tailgate multiple times. The GM situation in Arizona is unprecedented. How long... I'm losing his name on top of my head. GM in Arizona. Shug White. Huh? Um, what's his actual name? Steve, Steve Kime. Kime. Steve Kime is the, has been only he's only worked for the Arizona Cardinals since like the early 1990s or yeah. something. No other like executive in the NFL has had one team. And he's had like a DUI over yeah. that span and like did a lot of things. That long of a leash leads to some absurdity. And like an example of that, that contract. And who leaked that? I still don't understand like why that happened. It was all weird. Kyler Murray likes to play a lot of video games, whatever. Then you have him calling plays in the fourth quarter and like saying that it's hard and not knowing like what he's doing like the offense was like having it had like four total yards when he was calling plays or something it's 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 dangerous in in the red they had no nation. they netted zero yards during the two two drives two three and outs netted zero yards when kyler's in now obviously it's backups preseason they're already winning the game yeah. but i i worry about the arizona cardinals i know we're going to talk about like division previews and stuff but like well they're not that talented yeah it is like the problem is that like kyler murray which I honestly think he got too much hate for the four hours of study thing and whatever. And his reaction to it of being like, um, he thought he was like offended by it. Like, I wouldn't, that people didn't think he put in the work. It's like, honestly, that's not offensive. That means people think you're so unbelievably talented that you were the front runner for MVP before you got hurt and Jaron Hopkins got hurt that you can just get by on that. So like, it's almost a compliment yeah. that people thought you didn't study or whatever prior to this. So I, I don't agree on that, but he's carrying a i don't want to say sinking ship but it's like a ship that's never gotten above its head above water a they ship don't that's have... objectively bereft of talent yeah like the, the offensive thing. line is not elite tier receiving core especially with deandre hopkins suspended for the first six game is awful like aj green's gonna be their number one guy to start andy isabella is still getting snaps yeah. and shit like that defensively they haven't been able to hit they lose chandler jones this offseason yeah. like th that's this, where i worry this is not a super talented roster by any means small corners small receivers Kyler Murray is the only thing that's keeping this team relevant, whether or not he's staying up all night to play Call of Duty anyway. So I, I think that uh, how that came out with the contract situation and now like getting this negative publicity around calling plays in the fourth quarter, I, I just think it's a very flawed organization that continues yeah. to make absurd, unprecedented mistakes. But then you go back to this whole thing of Steve Kime literally like, I don't know if he has nudes of the owners or whatever, but like he just can't do any wrong, despite drafting horrendously outside the Kyler Murray pick, which was an absolute gift. He was the number one overall pick and like still had the lead, the the you know the leash to like draft him there and all that stuff. So I, I worry about the Arizona Cardinals in an NFC West that I think the Rams are gonna like walk to a division title. Trey, Trey Lance is gonna be on a roller coaster. Arizona Cardinals are a literal walking roller coaster, and obviously Seattle Seahawks gonna be dog shit next year. I, I like the Rams a lot in their in the futures market right now. Speaking of nudes that you brought up there, <laughs> it's the last catch and buzz, quite the segue. And this is going to be bad content for you if you're just listening on the pod. But if you go check out the YouTube channel or just go search it on Twitter, you will find what is the greatest that I think of every time training camp kicks off, the greatest tweet, in my opinion, of all time, which is Peter King in 2012, August 2nd, 2012, tweeted out a picture of Neil Hornsby, the founder <laughs> of PFF, pissing at a urinal. Tweeted out the picture. Because Neil Hornsby and Peter King used to go on a tailgate tour together every year, like when he was first starting out. I don't Peter know. Peter King and Neil Hornsby are like boys. Like yes. they're like good friends. Very tight. They used to go every year. I was on it. Too tight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was on it a couple of times. But like this was back in the early days when of Twitter when like retweets were you had to literally copy. That's right. Yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. So like he never thought it was really gonna get out, or I don't even know what he thought. 
I'm not trying to get into Peter King's mind, but tweeted out a picture of Neil pissing. So pour one out because obviously New Hornsby no longer with PFF. Peter King no longer with NBC, I believe. Or we're no longer with no sports illustrators now at NBC. So that tweet, we just I bring it up every training camp. It's just worth recognizing. There's there's so if you're going go to the YouTube channel and look at this fucking tweet because it's absolutely incredible. There's an article though, if you like look up, I just Google search Peter King urinal tweet. There's an article that calls Neil Hornsby a writer, and that is hilarious. He said this there's a picture of Peter King snapped of Pro Football Focus writer Neil Hornsby using a urinal at a baseball game. It is uh that's hilarious. Neil Hornsby literally founded PFF. Um, but that tweet is hilarious. I mean it, it, and I also it didn't get deleted. Does, is like that 20- not you next to him? Uh, no, it wasn't me. Uh, my brain though is fried. I forget what I was going to say, but I've been on steroids for a rash that I have full, full disclosure. I feel like this might be what your brain's like all the time <laughs> because I just, I start talking and I go places and I cannot stop. I did a, okay. A asshole. My brain's not that. Okay. Fucking, no, I'm saying, but I'm think saying my brain's like, just like no, flawed as hell. No, I'm saying just like, I'm, I keep going and yeah. I can't stop. And then I Go, okay, down, yeah. go down a direction and I'm like, oh shit, I don't know how to recover from it. Like, What's you've, the... learned, you've learned how to recover from it because you've like <laughs> been like that your whole life. I'm just feeling like this right now. Welcome to the show. Welcome <laughs> to the fucking show. How, how uh, in-depth is this rash? Is it spreading or is it um, slowing down? It was down? pretty bad. You can kind of see it on my forearm that it's getting better. Is that ringworm? Like Fernando was, Tatis? I don't, so it, it's one of the similar steroids to what he claimed he thought Helped he was Helped solve a ringworm? Yeah. But there is... Has there ever did you been... See, did you hear that? So like his... Whatever he took is a steroid. Whatever he thought was like ringworm was like three letters away, but a different medicine that no like solves way. ringworm. Yeah, really. So it was like a complete lie because there is a ringworm medication, but it sounds like what he took, but it was like changed. To like it's a different. Yeah. So that was pretty. Has hard. there ever been in the history of any of these like steroid cases, which is a weird thing way of framing it, but like mm-hmm. incidences where players are getting suspended for steroids, where like their excuse ever made fucking sense. No. Like every single time. There's an excuse, and every single time it's like no, like yeah. no one, even like like the Lance Armstrong stuff. Like you can go yeah. back to that. It's like no, dude. Like you, come on. Well, like Ryan Braun. Remember when Ryan Braun yes. actually got it overturned? He actually he really? got it overturned, and then it came out later that he tested positive again or something. And then I was like, oh, okay, Ryan Braun's actually piece of shit. So yeah, he definitely took steroids. But baseball, this is not a podcast about. So let's get into some actual NFL content, season predictions. We're going to go division by division, give our favorite for the winner, um, favorite bet to make, uh, do some awards picks, do some Super Bowl picks, and let's get right into it. You haven't asked me about my new gig. No. Do you want to talk the new gig? I kind of want to talk the new gig. We're going to get into the NFL stuff. I mean, so I I was going to do that at the end, but that's fine. I'm in... I mean, so just, I mean, prefacing like this NFL stuff, I'm going to be on like the Ringer NFL show weekly. Should be on the Ringer gambling show as well um, with Raheem Palmer and JJ Johnson Stremsky. And then should be writing a lot more too, which is going to be pretty sick. I'm excited about the, the new Ringer gig has been fun. I also have like working on some non football stuff. I can't yeah. disclose yet, but like, that's some, what I've heard. Some like, I don't know, man. It's been fucking cool. It's been a lot of fun. Obviously, I miss Tailgate and, and miss PFF all the time, mm-hmm. but like, it's been, it's been a lot of fun working with, um, New blood there so, at the ringer. So you're doing mainly content or are you still managing? So like, I'm, I, there is like a management layer and like I'm like on the management team and the executive team uh-huh. and like making, you know, I'm a principal decision maker in a lot of like content decisions that we're doing, especially like wholesale initiatives on how do we want to cover the new House of the Dragon show, you know, coming out on HBO. Because like the ringer in its heyday in 2019 was like the website for Game of Thrones coverage with Mallory Rubin and, um, you know, uh, Jason Concepcion and all this thing. So like looking at 
previous year data, historical data to like dictate how we want to show that stuff. All that nerdy shit I was doing at PFF anyway, but then they also want me, you know, as a key part of the, the content executions and I'm like traveling to different training camps and stuff like that. It's been cool. It's been a lot of fun. What are some of like the biggest differences, Ringer versus PFF? Or so like the Spotify the- office in LA has a cold brew tap on every single Fuck, floor like awesome. on nitro so like yeah. that's fucking sick we don't even have like we have an espresso machine here which so i like can't even complain that much but we don't even have ice in the office yeah to make an ice espresso and ice is, is so key so like yeah. on every floor there's a tap and on the, the lobby floor like the first floor there's a barista and they can they can make whatever the fuck you want which is sick and I, the, the spotify dollars are out and about i'll say that and i think the other difference is that you know it's obviously you know it's a big ass company it's like owned by a swedish billion dollar company or whatever it is so like there's not as much like work intimacy right like here at pff like we were we lived what together. were we doing we well, lived <laughs> we, we exactly? lived together we fucking hung out all the time and yeah. like all that stuff so a big transition has definitely been like hey like yeah super intimate everyone <laughs> everyone uh everyone here is like a big boy i guess so i'm kind of becoming a big boy across your eyes here i don't know i don't know where that tangent went i'll be your big boy though i realized i sound like a massive douchebag complaining that we only have an espresso you machine. do sound like a douche but it's like that I was the coffee machine that neil bought too i know so why don't you, neil r.i.p we're so are you gonna go to his Jesus. retirement thing yeah his retirement thing is yeah. on the 25th peter king's coming out we should recreate oh, the urinal photo. oh dude we have to actually oh my god actually i think we should try and push for that yeah if we get that urinal photo it's peter king and then you actually be the guy that you look like in that photo and i'll be yeah. somewhere on the side maybe i'll take it i think oh I, wait is it the is the day this podcast is gonna drop is it really yeah Oh, let's sure go. Next Thursday. If we get that urinal photo, yeah, I think we will. Kismet. If you haven't heard by now, Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football this summer. We've all been there in fantasy football leagues. It's Sunday morning and you're digging through news reports trying to figure out whether to start your stud wide receiver that tweaked his hammy or you have a player on your team that hasn't been getting in the end zone. And then one week, he suddenly goes off for 30 points on your bench. With Underdog Fantasy, all the stress of who to start each week is lifted off your shoulders because it's best ball format. Draft your teams before the season starts and get the best score in your lineup each week. Right now, you can draft an Underdog's Best Ball Mania 3 tournament to take your shot at $10 million in total prizes. Plus, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code PFF. That's right, $100 in free money. Also, if you play 10 of those 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF, you get a free PFF subscription. So basically, you're paying less than what you would pay at PFF.com. And it's a little, little cheat code there for you. Underdog drafts close before NFL kickoff. So what are you waiting for? Head to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store. Play $10 with code PFF and draft in your best ball mania team today. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. And now, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code PFF to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's PFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for terms and resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789. In New York, call 877-8-HOPANY or text HOPANY. 
467-369, one per customer, minimum $5 positive wager, $200 issued as $825 free bets. Let's get in some predictions though. We'll kick it off. NFC, we'll go NFC East. You got the Cowboys at plus 140, Eagles now at plus 160. They've dropped a lot. I know. What were they at when like you were banging like the 250. Okay, yeah, they've dropped a lot. Commanders at plus 500, Giants at plus 800. Who you think's going to win? Who do you going to bet? Are you still betting the Eagles even at plus 160? I, so, I think even at plus 160 I bet the Eagles. I bet them at plus 275 and then had have a public facing bet with Cameron Magruder, who is a okay. big, is a guy. big social media presence. He has a lot of stuff going on, but he's a big Cowboys guy as well. He had like some. He was before TikTok had like a lot of short form vertical video content that was mm -hmm. like performing well and stuff. But he saw my tweet right after the draft about plus two seventy five, and he's like, "I'll bet you publicly on that stuff, and we're going to do some St. Jude stuff and all that." But um, now it's down to plus one sixty, and I still probably take it. Cowboys one of the few teams this offseason where I feel like they got worse, losing Amari Cooper, losing Cedric Wilson. Losing Lael Collins, like, and Ceedee Lamb bet his overs because obviously, like, that's a big thing. But you watch the Jalen Tolbert in preseason week one. I still think it's going to take some time. Like, I know a lot of people are excited about him, but him consistently creating separation as like a clear number two in this offense, I think, is going to take time. Not to say he's yeah. a bad player or I still really love the draft pick. I just think rookies often take time. I think Tolbert's going to be one of those guys. Eagles, on the other hand, like every report you look at. This thing's like positive. Cam Jurgens looking really good at center. Jordan Davis is an absolute monster. AJ Brown, who did not play in the preseason game, is apparently like Jalen Hurts' fucking best friend. And, and Jalen Hurts looked really good in that opener too. I also am a big Nick Sirianni guy. Meeting him at the combine and, and talking to him and rip, ripping and roaring with him and his kids and all that stuff is cool. I think that the Eagles do win this division. I am still leaning Cowboys. Now, I probably should have learned my lesson betting on Mike McCarthy after, you know, 15 years of him as a Packers fan. But... They're just like both sides of the ball. Like they got one, they got the best quarterback in the division. And two, their offensive line's still good. Still have seat. Like they're still super talented on the offensive side of the ball. And then defensively, they have enough playmakers. I, I think they're, I just think they're going to win. I don't know. I, I would bet them, and, and especially since the number's gone up like this. And, and I also think they're going to win. I hate the commander's bet at plus 500. Carson Wentz has looked like ass all camp, apparently. And, Dotson, who could have seen that coming? Besides, Dotson, I thought looked really good season. in the preseason game, but I think it's going to be a struggle, despite his ball skills, for Wentz to put it on the number for him a lot. Like, I mean, he is a smaller frame player. Like, I don't know. I worry about the Commanders' offense, and the Giants are a dumpster fire. I, I think Daniel Jones. This is his last hurrah. Kenny Galladay looks like absolute butt in the preseason and in training camp. So, I'm not, I'm not betting Commanders or Giants. I think the Eagles are still the best bet, and I wish. People listened at plus 275 right mm. after the draft. Mm. You could probably sell that ticket now. Uh, <laughs> NFC West, Rams at plus 125, 49ers at plus 150, Cardinals at plus 400, and the Seahawks, long shot, plus 1,800. That's like one of, the, I think that's the fourth longest odds in the NFL as it currently stands to win a division. So who you betting? Who you think is going to win? How in God's green earth are the 49ers plus 150 and the Rams plus 125? Like, I think the Rams should be. You look at this, you know, another division, AFC South. Colts are minus 135. Titans are plus 170. That is a much tighter race than Rams, Niners, in my opinion. The 49ers are essentially starting a rookie this year who has looked up and down yeah, roller coaster in training camp. Nora Princiati of The Ringer, go check out her piece on theringer.com, wrote, a, you know, about how it's just up and down with him right now. And like some of the plays, you look like you see some progression. And other plays, it's like, hey, needs to be better, needs to be more polished, all that stuff. And 
Their interior offensive line, collectively, I was talking to Ben Lindsay upstairs, PFF analyst, collectively has 200 career snaps played. Like that, it's going to be a problem. Like I, I do think that this offense is going to go through growing pains enough to where plus 150 to win the division isn't value. Will they still be a good football team? Sure, Kyle Shanahan raises that floor. Defense still has talent. But the Rams are reigning Super Bowl champs. Yes, they lost Andrew Whitworth. Yes, they lost Von Miller. But I think the secondary is going to be a lot better than people think. I love that they brought back Troy Hill. Um, they have a new defensive backs coach, uh, John Cooley, who... I was there at Rams camp. Everyone is flocking to like that entire secondary is at his hip all practice more than any other position coach well, yeah, I saw. He's and the defensive backs coach. No, I'm saying like <laughs> compared to other secondary compared to other position coaches though. Okay, like that guy's in the mix, and he's a super young guy too. I think he graduated yeah. in 2011 from John Carroll, and like you can just tell that the energy in that secondary with David Long Jr. with um, the Isaac or Isaac Rochelle, like another like physical or the no. former Central Arkansas guy. I can't remember. Oh his name yeah. Is. Uh, Rochelle, I think it's though. Rochelle. But anyway, they, that, I think that secondary is going to be better than people think. I worry a little bit Isaac about... Their, no, Isaac Rochelle is a former Notre Dame guy. Who the hell am I Robert thinking Robert Rochelle. Robert Rochelle. Anyway, I think they have talent in the secondary. And I think the it's overstated the losses of Robert Woods, Von Miller, and Andrew Whitworth. I think the offensive line is still going to be very solid. I think the pass rush, as long as you have Aaron Donald, is going to be good. And you know, offensively, I wrote a piece on The Ringer about Allen Robinson. The you can't go a day out practice without seeing Allen Robinson light it up. And yeah. he is so, you know, talking to him, he is so excited to have like a good quarterback. And he's so excited to like be, he brought up to me multiple times. It's like, everyone here wants to win. I've never been in any place like that. You know, it, like I've never been somewhere where they think we can win. And that just speaks volumes to like what he can do with Cooper Cobb and Matthew Stafford. So I think the Rams at plus 125 is the best bet. And I'm so surprised that they aren't minus money like the Colts are in the AFC South. I will say that to justify the 49ers at plus 150, their defense is very good. Like, like look at the playoffs. Their yeah. offense didn't do shit. You know, like their offense was not the reason why they were almost, you know, a dropped interception away from the Super Bowl. Like mm-hmm. in the mix to go to the Super Bowl, it's because this defense is legit. And then they add to it with Charvarius Ward. And I strongly believe in Javon Kinlaw, obviously, still um, didn't play last year, but he's looked good from what I've seen, from reports I've seen throughout training camp. So that that is kind of the reason to believe in them. But I don't know. I, I think I'm kind of with you in that I really watched 49ers, but I thought the odds would be a little different than yeah. this. I thought it would be like the Rams were fourth in Super Bowl odds just a few weeks ago. I thought they'd be kind of like a minus 150 team, 49ers more like a plus 200. But when it's this close, it's hard to bet against Sean McVay, and it's hard to bet against what we've already seen, a team yeah. that's just won the Super Bowl. And, and while I don't think they're going to repeat, and while I think they may have not be as good as they were last season, I think there's reason to believe you know Andrew Whitworth losing him is a big loss. I still probably would lean them as the division winners. And I think the thing. concerns for the Rams, I think, are are the offensive line. Because I think they're, you know, there's like a position yes. battle at guard. I think Logan, Logan. But even there, I still feel better about their O-line than the 49ers. Yeah, no, like McGlinchey sure. coming off a torn hamstring is no easy thing. Yeah. So. And then the other notes from Rams camp since I was there. Yeah, it's here. Um, that, that receiving room is Van Jefferson, Cooper Cup. Or it's Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson in that order. Van is battling a knee injury, I believe, and might not be back for week one or week two. And the other guy will be Ben Skoranek. Tutu Atwell, the former second-round pick, is not even cracking like wide receiver five on that team. And a lot of that is because it's been very difficult with his size to like get him as involved as they want him to be. And like talking to Zach Robinson, former PFF guy, about like Tutu Atwell and his development and all that stuff. And it's just like, we have a lot of really good receivers on this football team and it's hard for him to get there. Now, do they think he could be a returner? Sure. And so some of that stuff as well. But like a lot of 
the the Tutu Atwell like hope, and I've seen some training camp reports about him saying like he's had a couple good days of practice. I don't think he's going to be heavily involved in the offense, and that doesn't even bring up Tyler Higby, who they also fucking love. Like they love Higby, they love Cup, obviously Robinson. If Van Jefferson comes back healthy, like he's four, five, six fiddle in this offense. I, I, I worry about that as he obviously goes early in his career. And then Bobby Wagner is the other like underrated addition. Everyone on defense is talking about Bobby Wagner and like how much he makes the, you know, the experience brings in and all that stuff. Um, they really like Jordan Fuller as well. The the guy that was obviously hurt for a lot of last year, the safety. So I think the Rams are going to be fucking good, man. I'm surprised that they're plus 125 to win their own division. All right, NFC South. We have the Bucks at minus 250, which as it stands right now, still the biggest favorite to win a division in the NFL. Saints at plus 310, Panthers at plus 900, Falcons the longest shot to win a division in the NFL plus 3500. Who's winning it? Who are you betting? I, I think I think the Bucks are winning it. I think they're the rifle favorite. I think they're going to walk to the playoffs. They're minus 750 on FanDuel right now to go to the playoffs, which is like insane. I think that's the biggest favorite of any team in the NFL. Um, I think they win this division. I think they go to the playoffs and they're primed for a deep postseason run. They're firmly into that tier of Super Bowl or bust. Yeah. You know, like they're not, you know, there's nothing else on the on the docket there. Now, I think the best bet is Saints plus 310 because that's, I think, a big value for a team that I think has a lot of redemption energy. Dennis Allen, the last time he was a head coach, was like literally, literally booed out of the mm-hmm. city of Oakland with me in the stands. I had season tickets <sighs> during his tenure and uh, he was awful. Did not, I think he only won like eight games in three years or whatever it was and was fired like after an 0-4 start in his third year. So he's got some redemption energy. Michael Thomas is like a long forgotten top receiver in the NFL. Like you, he probably doesn't even crack top 10 on anybody's list right now because he hasn't played in a long yeah. time. He's got some redemption energy. Um, Alvin Kamara is going to be battling a suspension. Mark Ingram back in New Orleans. Um, and then the two LSU guys, Jarvis Landry and Tyron Matthew, now playing with the Saints. I, I think it's going to be a really exciting, fun team that's still going to have a lights-out defense, one of the best defenses in the NFL last year, and an offense that if Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton start for this team, I don't think it's going to be absolutely heinous. Um, plus 310 is the, the favorite bet here. Yeah, I. that's one of my favorite bets of like any division winner. Mm-hmm. I'll get to my other, my what is my favorite bet a little later on of any division winner. But that's probably my second favorite just because that's, really long shot odds for a team that I don't consider that much of a long shot to win this division. Obviously the box is still, I'm going to pick to win the division. I do think they're the best team in this division, but Jameis Winston was on his way to a career year last year with Marquez Callaway as his top option. They've added three receivers better than Marquez Callaway of the course of the offseason. No one, yeah. maybe not added Michael Thomas case, but like they have three now receivers better than Marquez Callaway, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry. Like they have options for him now. Obviously, offensive line, losing Tron Armstead. I don't even think Trevor Penning starts at left tackle. He's not going to James Hurst. I think it's guaranteed. He's going to start at left tackle. That's not great, but the rest of the offensive line's still solid. Like, this isn't left tackle is an issue, but this isn't like a Dolphin situation where it's just going to, you know, quicksand on him. And then you have the defense that quite literally has owned Tom Brady over the last two years. So I, I do think that plus 310 for the Saints is way too long at odds for a team that. Probably still should be making the playoffs. Like yeah. they're they're so, at their very worst should be making the playoffs. I, I was on the the Ringer Gambling Show, which I'll be frequenting during the season, and like we did an NFC South kind of futures preview. I like Saints over eight and a half wins at plus one hundred five. Saints yeah. to make the playoffs at plus one eighteen. Jameis Winston over thirty six hundred passing yards. Like that's where his prop is right now. That's insane. Like if he starts all seventeen games, he clears that. No problem. Um, I, I do think that they're the best bet. Another bet I like in the NFC South, though, is the Falcons to be the worst team and, and to go under four and a half wins. I think that team's going to be dog shit next year. Defense is horrendous. Offensive line is a struggle. Receiving core is 
Drake London already battling injuries. Like, I worry. I worry about the Falcons. There's a reason they're plus 3,500 to win this division. All right, we're going to get to a team here in the next division that I worry about the most that I'm going to call the favorite for the number one overall pick. It's the NFC North, where the Packers are minus 190. Vikings are plus 265. Lions plus 1,000. And the Bears at plus 1,400 are my pick for the number one overall seat. Yeah. Number one overall pick next year. I, I'm, I'm with you. Worst I, offensive I can't line in the plus NFL. 1400. That one just doesn't make sense. Worst offensive line in the NFL by like a country mile. Maybe not a country mile. Steelers but, are pretty bad. Raiders are pretty bad. Seahawks are still struggling, even though like Abe Lucas and Cross look good. But like Bears offensive lines can be bad. If, if you're see- like betting who has like potential, like yes. those other teams have like potential. I don't see the potential, you know, for the Bears to ever be even at. They're starting Southern Utah fifth round pick Braxton Jones at left tackle, or is it right tackle? One of the two tackle yeah. spots over Tevin Jenkins, that second round pick like that. I'm concerned for Justin Fields. I'm concerned for this offense. That doesn't even bring up that their receiving core is not just shallow as hell, but also lacks top end talent. Defensively, they lose Cleo Mack, which I think is going to take a baseball bat to their pass rush. I worry about the Bears. I think they're going to be mm-hmm. really, really bad next year, which is going to put into question, you know, if they do have the number one overall pick, does Fields get subbed out for Stroud? Or like I'm excited for the, those draft conversations. I think the best bet here is Vikings plus 265 for a lot of the same reasons I like the Saints. Like I just think it's too too big of a margin mm-hmm. to bet the Packers. Like the Packers are not a value at minus 190. You know, losing Devontae Adams defensively, I think they're going to be one of the top defenses in the NFL. I worry about the offensive line. Can Elton Jenkins get back healthy? Can Bakhtiari get back healthy? And that receiving core, like Romeo Dubs is obviously, or is it Dobbs? It's Dobbs now. Romeo Dobbs. Dobbs lighting up training camp, lighting up the preseason. I, I still don't think minus 190, there's value there. There's more value on the Vikings at plus 265, who should, under Kevin O'Connell, who I was talking to Stephen Ruiz recently, and he's like, Kevin O'Connell's going to like really turn this offense on, unlock Justin Jefferson, unlock Kirk Cousins and stuff. If that happens and they stay healthy, I think health is the biggest thing. Cook staying healthy, their offensive line staying healthy. I think this is a playoff competitive team. Um, and I like betting them to make the playoffs, and I like them betting to win this division. I will say this is also a line, plus 265 with the Vikings. I, I don't really love any of the bets in this division, but it's a line that could very well change after week one because if there's no David Bakhtiari mm-hmm. and no Elton Jenkins week one, you're starting Yash Nyman and, and maybe Royce Newman at tackle or Zach Tom at tackle for the Packers. Going up against Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith, who's probably a top five edge doing the NFL. Now, obviously, health's a big concern there. Neither guy was healthy last season, but last time we saw him, those were two top 10 edge defenders. Yeah. Like, the Packers could lose that game. And then all of a sudden, they lose that game to the Vikings. Those odds swing wildly. Massively. Right out the gate. So, I think betting futures market after week one, two to like over, like when you see like public overreactions to some things, I think can be really, really uh-huh. where there's value. And I think it brings up a team like the Lions, who are what, like plus seven or plus a thousand to win this division, according to DraftKings. Hard Knocks has them taking a lot of public money right now, which I think is. Is essentially burning money. Like you're lighting money on fire. If it's you're all betting. Eric Eager's money. Yeah. If you're betting the Lions to win the NFC North, I think that's like lighting money on fire. If you're betting them to make the playoffs, I think that's lighting money on fire. I still think that they're a year away from being playoff competitive or competitive in this division. But um, if you go to Fandle, like you see this division swaying in terms of um, the Vikings having value. So on Fandle, it's minus 155 Packers to win the division. Vikings plus 240. DraftKings, you get a better price on the Vikings if you if you are looking to play some futures bet on Minnesota. All right, AFC. AFC East, Bills minus 230. Dolphins minus four, plus 450. Patriots plus 500. And the Jets plus 2,800. Where are you putting your money here on this one? Who's winning it? I'm not probably placing a bet in this division. Like, don't burn your money on like Dolphins or Patriots at plus 450 or plus 500. The Bills... 
I mean, like, I think that plus 450 and plus 500 probability is banking on, like, Josh Allen getting hurt for a significant time. Like, I don't mm. see the Bills losing this division unless Josh Allen gets hurt for, like, even if he gets hurt for four games, I think he wins this division. Eight games, and it's going to be close. Like, I, I think if he if he stays healthy, this team is going to be the favorite to be the number one overall seed in the AFC, the favorite to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC, and the rightful minus 230 favorite in the AFC. So I think you don't lay any money here um, in betting a division winner. I do think that the Bills win, though. See, this is my favorite bet of any team. And maybe I'm going to die in this hill. And maybe I'll delete this podcast when it turns out to be shit in November. Oh, no. But the Dolphins plus 450. Really? I, I do just think, one, let me explain. Tyreek Hill is the most impactful wide receiver in the NFL, in my opinion, in terms of just like how opposing defenses have to account for him. And you have two of them. You know, like you have not only him, but you have Jalen Waddle, who is also that guy, in my opinion, of you cannot go one-on-one -on -one with him against a if you have a corner, if you have you know Jalen Mills, you're the Patriots. You have a corner that runs four six. If there's not a safety over the top, you may you just you're not going to be able to guard him one on one. They have two of those guys, and you have Mike McDaniel's as your head coach, who by all accounts, offensive guru, is going to bring a system to Miami and, and bring solidarity at the offensive coordinator position after the the co offensive coordinators we saw last year that just ran RPOs all day. Yeah, and, and now two is great at RPOs. Whatever, maybe that was because Tua liked him, but. I do think it's going to unlock at least something into a, in terms of he's accurate. If you give him layup throws, he will hit them more accurate than even Jimmy G is in San Francisco. Like I, even based off of what they both put on tape last year, I think everyone would still take Tua, and no one thinks Tua is good, but like everyone would still take Tua. And that was playing behind one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Now you have Tron Armstead. Now you have uh, Connor Williams. Now you have guys who were you know rookies last year. Heading into year two, year three, year four, that you've drafted a bunch of guys and hopefully developing them to where I do think this offense is going to be much improved. And the defense side of the ball, you have no worries about. You know, one yeah. of the best secondaries in the NFL. So all that put together, if it's just like everyone hates Tua. If yeah. you had a real quarterback on this team, I don't know. They say they got Matt Stafford over the course of the offseason. Or even like be. a publicly viewed, like good quarterback. Yeah. You know, it doesn't even have to necessarily, like if the public liked this quarterback, exactly. this odds would be a lot better. Exactly. So that's how I feel about it. Obviously, the Bills probably still going to win this division but for plus 450 for a team that outside of the quarterback position you would probably take the dolphins roster over the bills roster i don't really? think that's a hot take outside of the quarterback position i don't know i, I, I the receiving core is really talented like i think you do lean miami lean receivers miami over buffalo offensive line is probably a wash at this point with Teron armstead added to miami defensive side of the ball the secondaries are close i mean it's closer than i thought yeah so like that one, and if Jalen Phillips can like take a turn, and Emmanuel Ogba can still be like successful in this defense, I think losing Brian Flores will have an impact on that yeah. defense. But um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm not betting Dolphins. I'm still fading that. But I, you're talking me into considering right. it. I'll take that. It's my favorite bet. All right, AFC West: Chiefs at plus one seventy five, Chargers at plus two twenty, Broncos at plus two sixty, Raiders at plus six fifty. Who you betting? Who you think wins it? I like Chargers at plus two twenty. And I think they no one knows who's going to win this division. It's like the most evenly priced division. Yeah. At, you know, plus one seventy five is the favorite, which I think is the longest favorite of any um, you know division leader right now, according to DraftKings or FanDuel. So Chargers at plus two twenty, I think is a value. I was there at Chargers camp. There was a lot of hype around this defense. Just signed Derwin James to that contract extension, who they feel is like the lifeblood of the team, let alone the defense. A lot of confidence in Brandon Staley now having more experience as a head coach. Justin Herbert. I was talking to someone on their staff. I don't know. I'll go background here. Justin Herbert likes three things. Anonymous source? 
Is that yeah. what you're doing? Justin Herbert likes Big three things. Yeah. Football, golf, and fishing. And that's it. There's nothing else he wants to do with his life. There's nothing else he wants to do with his time. He does not like media. He does not like social media. He doesn't like anything. He wants to do those three things in that order. And I think that's the type of demeanor that Staley like flocks to. Like Staley brings up all the time with Herbert that he is someone that is unfazed. And it goes back to like at Oregon, like what the fuck was going on? Like were they forcing him to do things that he didn't want to? Or like was it just, I don't know, man. Like he is like a completely different player it, to me, from what was like prescribed coming out of Oregon, obviously, like we were lower on him than a lot of people. A lot of people were lower on him than where he is currently. Like some people are calling him already the best quarterback in the NFL. I think he's the favorite yeah. to win the MVP. He is um, that dude. And I think that offense is going to be really good. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen are still, you know, wildly talented. I love that underrated addition of Gerald Everett, who's getting a lot of targets in camp. Josh Palmer should take this step. A lot of people have confidence in him. Then you go to the defense side of the ball. I wrote this piece for the ringer. Look at this front seven, how much it's changed. Like, they've added Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson on the interior, which is going to f- essentially phase out Jerry Tillery um, on that defensive line. They had Khalil Mack, who's one of the better run-stuffing defensive ends in the NFL and offers value as a pass rusher. And at linebacker, they lose Kaiser White. He signed with the Philadelphia Eagles this offseason. They bring in Kyle Van Hoy, who, Kenneth Murray right now, any conversation you have about Kenneth Murray is like, if he's not healthy, he's not playing. And he needs to earn his start spot back. It's not like a, oh, he's healthy again. He's immediately the starter. Like they are probably going to start Kyle Van Oy week one, unless something insane changes. You have him. I think it's going to be a competition between Drew Tranquil and, and Troy Reader there as well. But like, I don't know. I, I think this Chargers defense is going to be wildly improved. It's already one of the top secondaries, one of the top defensive coaches in the NFL, taking the right fourth down chances. I think they win this division. I think they're my favorite bet at plus 1400 to win the Super Bowl too. Oof. So that's the, I I like that probably more than I like them winning this division. I just think, and if you if you told me to handicap this before the draft, I would have leaned Chargers heavy. And obviously rookies can't expect to make a massive impact, but Chiefs draft was uh, the best draft that I've seen. In yeah know, yeah obviously we've talked about Carl this. looked good too, but and they've looked good already in this preseason, but the the. What tips the scales for me in the Chiefs' direction? Andy Reid versus Joe Lombardi, offense coordinator. Yeah, who's going to maximize the talent around them? Like obviously they, the Chargers have the offensive talent. They're probably on par with the Chiefs. Like there really is a toss-up. I believe in Andy Reid to be able to deal with no, no Tyree Kill with this kind of mishmashed wide receiver core now that they have to still put up elite numbers offensively. So that's. What tips the scales for me? And then obviously on the defense side of the ball, I really like what they've done in rebuilding this defense. So that's the tiebreaker, but it's one of those two in my opinion. I don't think the Broncos like should be plus 260. I think that's too low for them. I, I just yeah. don't see them. I, they, I can see them making the playoffs, but I don't see them competing for this division. I don't, I don't love the Tim Patrick injury for Denver. I think that's going to force Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy to really step up and be that guy. And all reports are Cortland Sutton is Russell Wilson's guy. And another bet I like in this division, he's over 925 and a half receiving yards for Cortland Sutton. That was the line FanDuel placed before the Tim Patrick injury, and it has not changed. Yeah. It screams why like betting player props have so much value because there's such reduced handle handle being like reduced amount of people betting on those things that markets aren't beat into efficiency. You don't see lines move significantly like we have with Eagles from plus 250 to literally plus 160 now because so many people are betting that. Cortland Sutton's not getting bet enough to move that line, but the fact that it was placed at 925 before the Tim Patrick injury and it's staying the same, I think that screams value. And every report out of camp is Sutton is his guy, his guy, his guy, his guy. So he stays healthy. I think he clears that mark as well. 
Broncos, though, I don't like them to win this division. A lot of newness with Nathaniel Hackett, obviously Russell Wilson. I think that I'm I don't I don't like betting on newness to be like top of their division. Yeah. You know, like new head coach, new new quarterback. Obviously, he's really fucking good, but in the competitive division with the Chiefs and Chargers, I like the stability. I like the Chiefs or Chargers to win it. I, I could get on board with the Raiders to a plus six fifty if they just had any semblance of an offensive line. <laughs> if, if you told me they're gonna have an average offensive line, I could sprinkle it's plus six fifty. Mm-hmm. But I just can't, like, same as last year, where we were saying you can't be consistent week to week with as bad an offensive line as that is. Mm -hmm. And so even with all this weapons, you're not going to be consistent week to week. It's a bottom five offensive line right now. Four line, bottom three. And they were not expecting Denzel Good, their projected starting guard, to retire. And Richie Incognito, they were expecting to retire, but they lose both those guys. Their interior offensive line, so their offensive line outside of Colton Miller is going to be Lester Cotton, which I think a lot of people listening to this podcast don't even know who that is. Andre James, another guy that started last year, was okay, but still not a known commodity by any means. Right guard is probably going to be Jermaine Illuminar, who is a journeyman in the NFL and still not like a solid piece. And then right tackle is going to be Alex Leatherwood, who was running with the threes last, wait, last week, like yeah. playing deep into the fourth quarter. I worry about that offensive line. And in terms of a team... A non-quarterback injury really affecting how this team goes. If Colton Miller gets hurt, this this offensive line is is absolutely in uh, an absolute shambles, and I worry that um, they're just too flawed. And that doesn't even bring up how bad their defense is. Their defense is one of the worst in the NFL, and like they didn't get that much better in the secondary. Now, like they added Chandler Jones, and I think that's going to help. It's an upgrade over Unique and Gakwe, but the secondary and their linebacking core is still not top notch by any means. I worry about those flaws. All right, AFC South, a division I feel is just mispriced, but we shall see. Colts at minus 135, Titans at plus 170, Jags at plus 800, and the Texans at plus 3,000. Where are you putting your money? Who do you think is going to win? I, I, I'm putting my money on like literally any team but the Colts at minus 135. That's, I did not yeah. like I did not like Matt Ryan's debut, and I don't want to overreact to preseason week one. But like, I did not like how his arm looked. I did not like how the offense looked. There's also like newness in terms of like a new head coach there and all that stuff. Like I think that it's going to be a lot of change and a lot of change to me does not scream minus 135 to win a division that the Titans won last year. Like yeah. Titans were the one seed, seed in yeah. the AFC and like they're obviously not bringing back AJ Brown and, and there's some other concerns, you know, defensively, but like this Titans team at plus 170, I think is a great bet. Even the Jags at plus 800 who now have an adult head coach and Doug Peterson, I think it's a good bet. And I don't even hate dropping a dollar on you know, plus 3000 for the Texans to win this. I division. hate dropping a dollar. <laughs> I got better things I can do with that dollar. Um, I don't know, man. I just don't think the Colts are should be the favorite. Now, if it was different and maybe price similar to the AFC West, where like say Colts were plus one seventy five and the Titans were plus two twenty, I think getting on the Colts becomes more palpable. But I'm just not touching the Colts at minus money right now. Yeah, I I don't understand the Jag your Titans, excuse me, at plus one seventy. Like this is this defense could be, you know, top three, top five defense in the NFL. Like they have Christian Fulton has looked excellent in camp. The secondary. Caleb Farley is back, and now obviously don't know where you're going to get with him. That could be a wild card there, but he, he could also be good. And this front seven is going to be I – mean, Bud Dupree, one year out of the ACL tear, one year after the ACL tear, should at least be better than what we saw last year. Yeah. So a lot of reason to be excited about the defense. Yes, the offensive side of the ball, not going to have any receivers. Yeah. You're not really going to have weapons. Robert Woods obviously coming back from ACL. Traylon Burks. Rookie playing in the fourth quarter in his first preseason game, never a great sign for a first-round pick. There are issues there, but again, they they played without AJ Brown, Julio Jones for good portions of last season and got by. So I think I that just, I just I'm not sure. I feel great about them. I'm still picking them to win the division. I love the bet at plus one seventy. I don't. I'm not like oh yeah, Titans are definitely winning the division. Mm-hmm. But with those odds, it, 
I don't feel I feel like it's about a 50-50 proposition, not a minus 135 plus 170. I agree. I think if they were say say they were both priced at plus 100, I take the Colts. At plus 170 minus 135, I'm taking the Titans all day long. And like even if it was at plus 100 piece, it's kind of splitting hairs. And I think the reason public money is on Indianapolis is that Carson Wentz was absolute garbage last year and they feel that Matt Ryan is an upgrade and they have really talented players. Jonathan Taylor, Shaquille Leonard, not Darius Leonard. They brought in Stephon Gilmore. You know, they have DeForest Buckner, one of the better defensive tackles in the NFL, Quentin Nelson at guard, but all time and time again, we've brought up that their talented players are at low value positions, you know, inside off ball linebacker, running back into your offensive line. That's where I feel, you know, the public is maybe higher on them because they do have talent. I just don't think they have talent in these in these premier spots. And I worry about the receiving core. Alec Pierce is going to be that number two in this offense. I don't think he's ready for that. Malcolm Pittman Jr. bet his overs because I think he's going to be the obvious number one. And Paris Campbell is getting training camp hype again after being just falling below expectations every year of his career. I don't see it finally coming together with Matt Ryan this year either. Yeah, and I mean, Shaq Leonard, back surgery is not what you want for an undersized linebacker. You know, that's not all of a sudden he's going to, you know, oh, he's definitely going to be back and to 100% top three linebacker in the NFL form. Like that is not something to sweep under the rug. So that also pushes me towards Titans. Last division here, AFC North, very evenly priced division. Ravens at plus 150, Bengals at plus 180, Browns at plus 330, and the Steelers at plus 1,000. Where are you going? So, I mean, you have to address the, the elephant in the room here that the Cleveland Browns are in this division and they have quarterback Deshaun Watson who's currently – at a floor, at the floor, taking a six-game suspension. But Don Graziano, Dan Graziano, I think, tweeted out today that a decision on if they'll go through with that six-game suspension or the appeal will lead to a, an extended suspension and fine, I think it's supposed to come today or tomorrow. So okay, it's, so yeah, we're recording a week early here. But too, so it'll probably be out by then. The thing to guarantee is that whatever this appeal process is, it's it. Like I, uh, Kevin Clark did some excellent reporting on The Ringer on that. It'll be more. The NFL, whatever they say goes. Like they have yeah. clauses in the CBA that say like our decision is final. You know, you can't appeal our decision, all that stuff. Um, so if it's, if it's, I think it's going to be more, at least eight. Yeah. And if not like 12, I, I think they were pushing for an indefinite suspension and like a significant fine, but I think it's going to be eight or 12. And that is enough for me to like stay the fuck away from the Cleveland Browns at plus 330. The other piece of it, I don't want to be rooting for the Cleveland Browns all year. Partly because I don't want to be watching Jacoby Brissett play football, yeah. and I don't want to watch Deshaun Watson play football that much and actually root for him. This one is tough, and I know we're in sunny Cincinnati. I still like the Ravens to win this division at plus one fifty. I like, I like that they're getting faded after having easily the most injured roster in the NFL last year. You should see some positive regression and in injury luck this year, and I, a really experienced football team that has a lot of talent when fully healthy. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Marcus Peters, um, I, I, Lamar Jackson, obviously. The offensive line is one of the top offensive lines. I, I think that the Ravens are the rightful favorite. Splitting hairs at plus 150 versus plus 180, I, I do think that they win it. Yeah, I go back and forth on this one, man. Yeah, I really do. I, I do think they're on pretty even footing, the Ravens and the Bengals, which means like they're on even footing that I'll lean the Bengals at plus 180 because they have longer odds yeah. to win. So that's where I'd go with my bet. But really, it's a toss-up between those two. The... Um, the Achilles heel, I think, for the Baltimore Ravens is their receiving core. Mm -hmm. They are banking on Rashad Bateman in his second season being the number one in the offense, which I think he can be. I think a lot of people were excited about him coming out of Minnesota, and all reports out of camp is that he's like that dude. But after that, it's 2020 third-round pick and 2026 round pick, Devin Duvernay and James Brochet. And then you have Tylen Wallace, who's a fourth-round pick from a year ago. I, too many young players having to be 
big name receivers in this offense. You obviously still have Mark Andrews, which will always be his security blanket, but that receiving core is not a deep playoff competitive receiving core. It's going to be an offense I think is going to be really dependent on the run game working, and that involves the health of, of Dobbins and Edwards in this offensive line. And that's the other reason why I lean the Bengals, because I think this offense can get to a level that the Ravens just can't get to. Because the the talent they have, their oh position. yeah, like they they could with Joe Burrow with those wide receivers get to that like doesn't matter what the deficit is, we can come back in the blink of an eye. I, I don't think the Ravens have that in them, so that's how, why. I, how talented is this Ravens team, man? Like they have in the secondary, Marcus Peters. Oh, the defenses. Yeah, all Marcus Peters, Marcus Williams, who they signed this offseason. Marlon Humphrey. I didn't even realize they picked up Kyle Fuller, who I think is no slouch. Is like your cornerback three or four. Yeah. Drafted Kyle Hamilton in the first round, who has looked slow out of the gate. Still have... Don't say that. He looked good in the first preseason. Yeah. Still still have Tony Jefferson there. Have Justin Houston on this defense. Odafe Owe, Clayus Campbell, Michael Pierce, I, Travis Jones in the third round. I, they're a really talented team, man. I think they're deep. They're a really deep yeah. football team. And if they stay healthy, like I, I do think that they win this one. All right. Super Bowl predictions. Who you got going and who you got winning? So is this best bet or who do I have just going? Who you, just winning? who do you think? Yeah. I think I mean I think it's hard when you're not looking at betting odds to go away from Bills Bucks. Like, I think that's I think the Bucks are going to the Super Bowl. Okay. Now I think it'll be between Bills and Chiefs to get there in the AFC, and I think it's the Bills here. I think the Bills. I think the Bills do go. I think the favorites go, which is obviously like pretty cliche to say, but I think the favorites do go to the Super Bowl. Um, not cliche, just like chalky as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the and I think the Bills win. I think the Bills win the Super Bowl this year. I'm all in on that. I'm all in. I'm all in on the Buffalo Bills. All right. I'm going to go Packers because I think that defense finally, I I think by the the playoffs, Rodgers will have figured out kind of how to move the ball with whatever receivers he's working with. Yeah. And that defense is just the most talented defense he's had since, I mean, since they won the Super Bowl. So I'm going to go Packers in the NFC and then I'm going to go Bills in the AFC as well. Damn, you're going Packers in the AFC. You're such a homer, dude. (sighs) Well, this is their year. Best defense. All right, let's do some award picks, and then we'll get out of here. MVP award. Where are you going? I mean, if I'm picking the Bills one Super Bowl, I like Josh Allen um, as as that pick. I think the the bet I'm making is is Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert is um, someone I think is going to receive a lot of fucking votes if they win 11, 12 games. But um, I think the rightful favorite is Josh Allen. I am going jo- Joey B. Really? I mean, it's, so it's... It is still a statistics award. Yeah. You know, no one's taken into account the fact that he has the best receiving core in the NFL. Yeah. Like people give it shit at the end of the year based off of what numbers he put up. He's got the best receiving core in the NFL, and he has a real offensive line now. So all that's going to add up to. And the other thing is people don't really give a shit about rushing totals. Yeah, like yeah. when you're comparing, it's going to be passing yards, passing touchdowns. Josh Allen's probably going to have, you know, five, six more rushing touchdowns. He's probably going to have a few hundred more rushing yards. But... It's not going to matter. That's not really going to get in the MVP conversation. So I'm going to lean Joe Burrow. Oh, boy. Offensive player of the year. Where this one's leaning? tough. I, I think that Jonathan Taylor could very well be it. He's the favorite right now on FanDuel. Frank Reich doesn't want him to lead the league in touches, though. Come on, Frank Reich. I think Justin Jefferson is who I take, though. I think Justin Jefferson is <sighs> going to be the offensive player of the year. Plus 1,400, I think that's a good bet. He's the favorite to lead the NFL in receiving yards. And Adam Thielen's getting like some, some sex appeal. Out of camp, I think uh, Arif Hassan, who's been reporting on the Minnesota Vikings for a while with The Athletic, has said like Adam Thielen looks like back in his prime. But I don't oh. think that's enough to overtake the production Jefferson's going to have, especially with Kevin O'Connell there now leading the offense. I, I do think like if anyone would fill the Cooper Cup role, and everyone's a lot's been ready the Cooper Cup role, like Thielen could do that. Like he, he can do those 
he's still underneath intermediate shifty route runner. Like Jefferson limiting him to that route tree that Cooper Cup ran is almost doing him a disservice. Yeah, yeah. Because he is so gifted, just like down the field and what he can do. But I am leaning Justin Jefferson. I hate that we get went the same one with this, but I do just think that they're going to have to pass a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's an offense that's going to just look different structurally, and that's going to feed from obviously what they've done in the past, and that's going to feed him the football. So defense player of the year, where are you leaning? I think this is really mispriced. I, yeah. I don't like the favorites in Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. And we've been on podcasts before where we talk about it's like yeah. who has the most sacks at the end of the year. That's who they give defensive player of the year to. But I do think that they also they also value like playoff competitiveness, right? Like even like Khalil Mack won defensive player of the year for the Raiders the one year that they went to the playoffs yeah. in 2016. And like he was really disruptive. But you think about Garrett on the Browns, Watt on the Steelers, and two teams that could very well miss the playoffs next year. Aaron Donald, I don't think, gets it because of voter fatigue. Micah Parsons, maybe, but I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are going to be a top of the NFC type of team. I could be proven wrong there. But I think the two bets I'd make, Micah Parsons at plus 1,000, because I think he's, everyone and their mother loves Micah Parsons, wants to claim mm. him to be the next Lawrence Taylor. And then Joey Bosa at plus 2,500, opposite of Khalil Mack, and an improved defense on a team that, Everyone and their mother is just going to be jerking next year. Like, so many people want to yeah, like man. the Chargers. So many people want to like Brandon Staley. They love that they go for on fourth downs. They love Justin Herbert and all that shit. Like, I think Joey Bosa at plus 2,500 is mispriced. Yeah, Bosa is the one I lean to, Joey. And the one thing I, the reason why is because the tackles in the yeah. AFC West. And assuming he gets to stay on the left side, which is where he's rushed in the past. And obviously, I added Cleo Mack who rushed on the left side a lot in Chicago, but it's like Joey's kind of the guy you got to appease and you would think he'd want to go up against right tackles, but he's not had that guy the past couple of years since Melvin Ingram left to really take the pressure off, you know, in obvious pass situations. Now he does, and he's going up against Billy Turner, Andrew Wiley, and Alex Leatherwood and right tackle in the AFC West. Six times. Six games against those guys is a lot of sacks. So, and a lot of, and all those games will be like primetime games, big stages where he gets sacks in those games. It's gonna get remembered. So, yeah. and, and not only is not only is um, you know Klumac added, and I think there's been a lot of like stories written on. They have complementary pass rushing styles, and it's gonna help Joey so much. The other piece of it too is that the interior defensive line is better too. Like they're yeah. they have talent in Austin Johnson, and Sebastian Joseph Day, who, Jerry Tillery in your four, <laughs> dude. Uh, I'll tell you after the pot. I have some Jerry Tillery stuff. Too. God damn it! It's I, never good. I, it's never. Good. It's never like oh Jerry Tillery looks fucking sick in practice. <laughs> I'll tell. I'll tell you after. It's, it's Jerry weird. Tillery like left practice to go to his literally to go to his other job. Uh, <laughs> all right, offensive rookie of the year. Who are you going? This one I think is also mispriced. Like I don't even think Kenny Pickett starts. Like I think right now on Bet Online. Mitch Trubisky is minus a thousand to start, and Pickett just recently got elevated from the threes to the twos. But there's a good chance Pickett doesn't even play this year, yeah. let alone like until like maybe week six, week eight. So the fact that he's the favorite, I think, is stupid. Um, at plus nine hundred on Fanduel, I think it's mis- you know, mispriced on DraftKings as well. I really like Drake London. I think he's going to be a big, big production whore this year. Okay, I don't know if I like that, but I, I don't like Chris Olave because you have Michael Thomas there. George Pickens, I still think that Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, others are going to get play. But Drake London, I think, is the guy. Like, going yeah. to be the guy for the Falcons. Obviously, Kyle Pitts there as well. Um, I think he's a good bet at plus 1,200. I wouldn't take Sky Moore, the Chiefs receiver, at plus 1,200. He's not even, like, running with the ones right now. Nicole Hardman did just get carted off with a groin injury today. Does that open up opportunity for him? Maybe. But I think Drake London is the best bet and, and the guy to be taking right now. Yeah, some of these odds are really all over the map. Romeo but- Dobbs at plus 1,600, too. The fact that 
like Rodgers and you have AJ Dill- like there's people talking about him like he's going to be the guy in Green yeah. Bay and he's obviously looked really good the guy I'm going though he's the favorite but he's the favorite because he's going to get a ton of touches because he's very good and because he's running behind now what should be a, a solid offense line even after Mekhi Becton got hurt and it's pretty tall like, I just I, I don't see anyone else on this list that I know is going to get either high target share like I feel like Drake London's the other one that like you know is going to get high target share yeah but he's in an offense that might be ass you no. know maybe one of the worst might be I think it's an understatement it's gonna so, suck so I just think he can put up like 1200 yeah so like that is the only other guy that I would probably bet are those two but Brees is just like I feel very strongly about him getting those touches then you're in New York you yeah know, like you're gonna get no shortage of media coverage where he's at so that's who I'm going off as a rookie of the year plus 850 defensive rookie of the year where are you leaning? Man, it's plus 850 on DraftKings. Yeah. I've been using FanDuel Reese. more because the ringer is like big on FanDuel oh, and has like some spots. But like it's plus 1200 on FanDuel. I probably should be using BetMGM, but you can't even like pull up the BetMGM like odds. Yeah. That's crazy how different the odds are. Yeah. Like plus 1200 versus plus 850 is like significant as hell. Um, on FanDuel for defense during the year, the favorite is Kayvon Thibodeau at plus 550, which I think is also mispriced. Oof. That's like insane. I don't think that's going to be a thing. He's the favorite. He's there. the favorite. Aiden Hutchinson is number two at plus 600, which I think I think he ultimately does win it. I think he's going to be a tackle for loss monster. I think he's going to yeah. rack up sacks on that defense. However, I think the best bet, you might like this, Quay Walker at plus 1500. That defensive line is going to be nasty. And I think that defense overall is just going to like rack up like give him opportunities to rack up tackles, and if he has like 120 tackles next year, that's it's him in a, in a nutshell. I think there could be so, so much competition at edge that maybe like he ultimately is like quote unquote like the most productive one. Yeah, it's like you have a guy who you know is going to be filling a big role, knows going to be on a defense that's going to be good, that like you know going to get a playoff team that's going to get talked about. But I I can't really go anywhere other than in Hutchinson. Yeah, I mean I watched his first preseason game. He did the same thing to Jake Matthews that he was doing college tackles. It's like it's crazy. Good, you know. I was talking to someone recently about I was on the Ring Randfall show with Jason Goff, and I was like, "What you look for in the preseason, oftentimes with rookies, is one size and speed. Do they still look fast and big? Yeah. And the other thing is, do they look like they're playing the same as they did before? Yeah. And like Aiden Hutchinson, eleven snaps in his preseason debut. It's like holy shit." Is he still in a Michigan jersey? It looks exactly the same. Disruptive and constant. Disruptive and constant. And that, I do think he will win it. I think the best bet's plus 1,500. And again, it goes back, there's so much value on some of these props that aren't like win total playoff based. Quay Walker has the same odds to win defensive rookie of the year as N'Kobe Dean. Quay Walker is the guaranteed starter in Green Bay. N'Kobe Dean's running with the twos. Yeah. Like there is value there. There's value in, you know, how, how these things are currently. What did you think of Aiden Hutchinson's weird Michael Jackson stuff on Hard Knocks? Did he, did he do that dance for you? When he you didn't do that out? dance for me, but I do know, I do know that like he was a dancer which as a kid. Which is interesting because from like a, he got knocked for just looking weird as fuck as like moving on the football field, mm-hmm. right? Like he, he, he just doesn't take, you know, a trained scouting eye to say that guy like looks weird when he fucking runs and mm-hmm. like changes direction. Like it doesn't look fluid. Yeah. Yeah. But it's quick. It looks stiffer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It looks stiffer like, than it is. Yeah. It does not look like a guy with a dancing background, but there you have it. All right. Coach of the year. Who are you going for coach? Of the year? So this is a market that I think is, is really gross to bet. Like there's the favorite on Fanduel is brand Stanley at plus 1400. Like you're getting a lot of like long, long odds on like, who's going to win this one. I don't think that I like Brian Dable at all. He's another rumored favorite. I think Dan Campbell has way too much public money. I don't think they're going to win enough games for that. I would go between Staley and Kevin O'Connell. The other long shot. They're going to say Cliff Kingsbury. No, 
The other long shot would be maybe Mike McDaniel if the Dolphins exceed expectations. But I, I think Kevin O'Connell would be the bet I'd make at plus 1,600. I think he's going to be awesome in his first year and versus expectations. If they do win that division, I think he wins it no problem. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I do like Kevin O'Connell in terms of like, I think the Vikings will exceed expectations. And at that point, that's basically what the award is, is how much did you exceed expectations? But that's why I like Mike McDaniel. Because I do think the Dolphins are kind of my pick to that. I think people are undervaluing what that roster is. And obviously a lot of it relies on Tua, but I think Mike McDaniel and his offense can assuage some of that. Is that how you pronounce that word? Assuage? What the fuck is that? I don't know. That's a word. Assuage? A-S-S-A-U-G. Oh, I, I, I see. I don't know how to pronounce it. Let's hear it. Assuage. There Aswage. we go. I've only read it. I not actually heard someone <laughs> This said brings it. us back to that moment on the pod where um what dissect? was the word? Yeah, dissect. <laughs> then I played it and it's dissect. No, anyway. it's dissect still. I know, um, I know what it is. All right, comeback player of the year. We'll do the last one here. Mm-hmm. I hadn't written it down re- originally, but who you got for comeback player of the year? Comeback player of the year. Let me look at the pricing. Um Derek Henry, the favorite, plus 400, which I don't understand. He still rushed over 1,000 yards last year and played in eight games. I don't, normally, yeah, normally really, it's more... Played in the playoffs, too. Like, so. Christian McCaffrey at plus 800. Like, Christian McCaffrey's not coming back from last year. He's coming back from the last two years. Yeah. So I think there could be more voter weight behind a McCaffrey than a Henry because it's, yeah. like, been longer. And then the other player I like is Michael Thomas. Like, Michael Thomas throw, you know, catches, like, 1,200, 1,300 yards next year, which I think he could. I think that's another guy, too. So McCaffrey that, or Thomas is probably who I bet. That's who I like, Michael Thomas at plus 800. Uh, he's still going to be the number one option. They're still going to be a good offense, I believe. Chase Young is on FanDuel at plus 1,400. There is no well, shot in hell they're going to – like, he's too no, young of a player. No, here's the craziest one. Who the fuck's betting Deshaun Watson plus 2,000? <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, they have it plus 2,000 on DraftKings? Yeah. Who's – He's who, not even on fan. Who would ever vote for him? Oh like, my this god! This is still a voted award. It's not like that's that's absolute malpractice. He's not even on. Like you can't even bet him on comeback player of the year. If Desha- I thought Chase Young was a bad bet, if you're betting Deshaun Watson at plus two thousand, you you're, need help. Yeah. You need help. Someone needs to talk to you. You're that's there. What percentage of the handle on that bet is Cleveland? And like just guys like trying to find reason to to get on it. There's no way the NFL would veto it. It would be like an inside job. Yeah. Like say like he did win it. Like eight, the Associated Press voted him to do it. It would be an inside job to block it. Yeah. I honestly think it would be an inside job. Yeah, it's it's not happening. All right, it was great having you back on, buddy. We'll have to get you on sometime again this season. We'll uh, we still have to watch American Underdog Story with yes. Kurt Warner. We'll do our movie review next time you're back on. But I'm down, dude. I think that uh, I'm excited that you have this new podcast, man. I've been missing, you know, I've had so many people reach out. I'm like, I miss tailgate. I miss tailgate. Even some of our friends are like, dude, where the hell's this podcast? And uh, I think this podcast is going to be sick. The fact that you are going to have like your own like, um, you know, interview focused show. And uh, I was telling you, it's like every week that you don't get a bigger high profile guest like a Dan Orlovsky or some of your favorites. I think uh, I'm happy to come on. I'd love to uh, make this more of a routine thing. Yeah, we'll get you back on. You got anything in the pipe coming up to look out for? working on some non-football stuff that i can't like detail yet but it is cool like there's some cool stuff coming down on the ringer this season i'll be on the i hope you're not just like doing (laughs) on the ringer this season i'll be on the ringer gambling show um which you get on spotify or wherever you get your podcasts like i think two or three times a week and ringer nfl show once a week doing some stuff i'm writing a lot to follow me on twitter no longer at pff underscore austin gale it's austin gale underscore um (sighs) RIP. I, I went to, so a little quick story about that. When you lost your blue check, when you I know. It. So if you switch you gotta, your handle, you lose your blue check. Yeah, you got you got a DM verified prior to that. Mm-hmm. Two, when you did that, I'm like, oh, maybe I should like squat on uh, one just in case I ever leave PFF. Like all the Mike Renner shit's gone. So yeah. I had to get Mike Renner, 
underscore. I had to get the exact same format as you because all really? the other ones are gone. So, so you have whatever. it just in case like PFF fires you again. Yes. If it tastes, I get another fire, <laughs> which, which uh, I got a story about that that I can tell you after the podcast. Okay. I'm excited. Time, but if we, so this podcast is coming out the same day as Neil's retirement party here at the yeah. office. If we get that Peter King picture, that is going to be, because there is like, so the office here has a urinal like lineup. Like yeah. we could get it. Like, we, it's not like we have to go to like a restaurant or anything. Yeah. We could get it. We'll get it with Neil. Like we can convince Neil to do it. Yeah. We'll we'll definitely do it. Yeah. 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 And like, maybe we'll have our pants up or something. No, we, we do it. Literally take a picture of Neil doing it. No, I know. But I don't, I don't know if we want to. Well, we, we don't, don't have him holding his actual dick. I like, know, but he could, did in the Peter King picture. I know. He did in the Peter <laughs> King picture. I'm just saying like, we'll have our pants up and we'll do it. And like, you'll Next be on the far it. left and I'll be Peter King or something. Or if Peter King's interested, we'll yeah. do it. So it's someone, hard someone takes Peter a picture of it. us yeah. next to Neil. That's Take perfect. Place. That's absolutely perfect. I'm right. for that. Sounds good. Oh, brought me back. Brought me back. Austin, what a guy. And, and after the pod, I actually figured out here what I want to do with the American Underdog story and what we're going to do going forward. We are going to have a talking ball movie club. You've probably heard of book clubs where I, I got invited to two book clubs actually this summer and I declined both because I don't read books. I, I, I don't know how people have time to read books, honestly. I, I, the last time I read a fiction book was probably Harry Potter. No, it was maybe one of the Dan Brown books. Maybe Harry like, Potter slaps though. Harry Potter is good. But like, who has time? I just, I, it takes, I, I don't know. But we have time for a movie club. So the American underdog story, we're going to do... I think I decided on two weeks. Quinn, do you think that's enough time to get everyone every two weeks of the season to have a new movie? Do you think that's enough time to get people to watch? Yeah, I, 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 th I think it depends on the movie. Like American Underdog's been out for a while. Yeah. If it's a movie that's like in it's theaters or like just dropped on HBO Max and you got to like pay money and stuff to get it, maybe not. But like I feel like American Underdog's pretty accessible everywhere. No, so two gonna, weeks is fine. It's going to be all football movies. All So they're all going to be streaming more than likely. None of them going to be in theater. So American Underdog, every Talking Ball listener... You are now a Talking Ball Movie Club member, and we're going to watch American Underdog at some point during these two weeks, and we're going to have a discussion. We're going to have, I'm going to want your reviews in the DMs of the PFF underscore Talking Ball podcast. Give me a PFF rating of what you think of it and a little brief review. We'll read some of them. We'll talk about American Underdog. Maybe we'll get Austin Gale back on to give his takes on it. But yeah, Movie Club, watch American Underdog within the next two weeks. That's, I guess, week one of the season. September 8th will be when we do the full American underdog review. And then after week two, after week four, six, so on, that will be the movie club. So join the PFF talking ball movie club. And also we're going to have Monday mailbags. So get involved in that. If you would like your questions answered on the show, obviously if you're a tailgate listener, we had, that was one of our favorite shows uh, every week that we did that. So we're going to be doing a big mailbag segment on Mondays. Make sure you send those DMS to the PFF underscore talking ball, Twitter account, on Sundays, though, Sundays only, because I, I don't want to be reading, scrolling throughout the week and having to save these. So I will look at any DM sent to the Twitter account on Sundays, preferably afternoon, like towards the nighttime, because that's when I'm going to be prepping for the Monday show. So please send any mailbag questions to PFF Talking Ball. I already got some for one of my friends. He actually just sent me a text today asking to get that. So we'll get to that on the Monday show. But let's get in to some segments now. First off, we have the PVOO segment, Positive Vibes Only Online, and some, some backstory to this. Now, the, one of my, I, I set like a goal for myself every season and how, how I'm going to improve, what I want to do to be you know, better at this job, make better content. And, and one of my goals this, my one goal this year is to 
be more positive online. And that comes with, you know, not tweeting out, this guy sucks, even if a guy does suck, not responding to trolls and dunking on them, not responding to bad takes that I see online and trying to correct people. Because growing up in the household I grew up in with two older brothers, it was, and my father as well, it was a free for all in terms of like correcting each other. You had like being right was a sport in my household, whether it was correct grammar or just takes on literally anything. It was who could call out the other for being right. And that has translated over to my professional life. And I have a problem with that on Twitter where I see something that's wrong. I have to say it. And my mom does too. My mom literally, I'm not going to tweet out her, her Twitter account, but she is one of those people who's just online telling people they're wrong all day. It's the way it is. Um, was, was the way it was in my household. So I'm trying not to do that online, but I'm only human and I have to outlet my frustration and that part of me somewhere. So that's why I have this podcast to call out the egregious takes that I've seen online. And this one, the, the first one I'm going to start off with is probably my favorite because it's just so egregiously wrong. And this one's from Brian Baldinger, Baldy NFL, does fantastic work. This is not a shot of Brian Baldinger at all. This is, it's a very easy kind of trap to fall into as an analyst. Here's the tweet. He says, hey, NFL, you can't go wrong drafting any player from Georgia football. Mr. Kirby Smart can recruit and he can coach him up with the very best. And at NFL Draft, hashtag Baldy's Breakdowns. Now, Georgia did just have, what, five first rounders. I mean, this is not a shot at Georgia by any means. But... Anyone who is a listener of Tailgate Podcast knows our infatuation with Isaiah Wilson that the single biggest draft bust of the past decade, I mean, maybe like up there all time with just in terms of like not getting anything from a first round pick was Isaiah Wilson. That's not true. We got a rap album. A Georgia. We got, we got some good, I mean, we got great content out of it. We got some fire. It really, like we got a lot more content on him than the, your average run of the mill first round pick. So yes, it was, it was a fire rap album too. But I'm sure John Robinson doesn't believe that you can't go wrong drafting a Georgia player. And also, I'm sure Dave Gettleman doesn't think you can't go wrong drafting a Georgia player because the other single biggest draft bust over the past decade, that was first rounder, was DeAndre Baker. One season with the New York Giants. One season out of Georgia he made with his NFL team. So saying that, yeah, you're going to get fucking gassed up from every Georgia football account. Dog Nation is going to be retweeting you left and right. It got 833 likes, 196 retweets. People were fucking jerking it to this tweet. But it's just one of those, you could say whatever the fuck you want and not get called on it. It's just, it's factually, literally factually incorrect. So that's, didn't reply to it, but this is my reply to it. Just those kind of tweets. We don't have to do that. We, we don't have to be dishonest. I will say in Baldy's defense, though, like when you put out as many dudes in the NFL as Georgia does, like you're putting it, you're putting yourself for a higher right? Like Ohio State, yes. same thing too. Like they just churn out like yes. 10 dudes a year. And it's like eventually one of these guys is going to bust as opposed to like, you know, how many Coastal Carolina players are in the NFL. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it's just, so you are kind of, I do see what he's saying, but yeah, you're like Georgia does have some guys that have, uh, I mean, I panned out the best. It's also why we like rail against school scouting here, though. It's like everyone's an individual. You know, like, yeah, they get some semblance of like how they're coached. Like you can expect Georgia D-Lyman to play the run well. 
you know, like to have good technique in that regard. And there's some of that to it, but like these guys are still individuals. Isaiah Wilson, like, didn't matter what school he came from. He's his individual. You know, like, like, like he exactly. did whatever the fuck he wants. Exactly. So, like, that, there's, there's, uh, that's why, we, like, in the scouting community, like, you cannot look at the name on the back of the jersey. And that's only promoting that line of thinking that, hey, this guy's coming from that well coached defense. He's going to be XYZ in the NFL. Mm, I push, I just push back on that line of thinking. All right. Next one's also just hot. This one comes from Jordan Schultz at Schultz underscore report on Twitter. Um, I'm not sure his exact affiliation at the moment. I know he used to be at ESPN. Now he's just an NFL insider with, I guess, the game day NFL and the pull-up pod with CJ McCollum. But he tweeted this. After Kenny Pickett's first game, after one preseason game where he played only in the fourth quarter and his average depth of completion was 3.3 yards on the football field, he said, and the haters said Kenny Pickett's hands were too small. This is why your number one evaluating tool should be actual football. How does the guy play when it matters? Pickett is a baller. Hashtag Steelers. I love this tweet also because he literally calls his own self out in it. He said, how does the guy play when it matters? Talking about a week one preseason quarter, fourth quarter game. When it matters. Is that when it matters, Jordan? I mean... I, I am very impressed with what I've seen Kenny Pickett. I didn't get a lie. Like, in week two, was honestly more impressive than what he did in week one, in my opinion. But that is not the time to take a victory lap. You're just begging to get put on old takes exposed for stuff like that. It, it is, and he rightfully, by every non-Steelers homer, by every non-Andrew Filipponi in the replies, was saying it's the fourth quarter preseason game one. So it was fourth quarter preseason game one, Jordan. All right, last one here. And then we'll get to it's Acho time. Michael Robinson, former NFL fullback, I believe, with the Seahawks, was it? Well, he's on NFL Network now. Um, his bio is on Twitter is an absolute mess. It is the most poorly formatted bio that I've ever seen. It says a lot of stuff. But he ranked his top 10 undrafted players heading into the 2020 season. Top 10 players who are UDFAs. Um, one, J.C. Jackson. Two, the cornerback of the Chargers. Two, Kenny Moore, cornerback for the Colts. Three, Justin Tucker, kicker for the Ravens. You know, fairly chalky, the great players. And then at number four, he goes Cameron Brait, tight end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Behind Cameron Brait, he has Adam Thielen, Austin Eckler, Shaquille Barrett. Three guys who, I mean, Shaquille Barrett led the league in sacks back in 2019. Almost a Bengal. Almost a Bengal. And it's not like kind of angle, not like falling off by any means in terms of on-field performance since then. Just hasn't had sack tolls. Thielen has kind of fallen off. Like that, that one, not the craziest take in the world. But like Cameron Brate's also fallen off. Cameron Brate's thirty-one years old. He had two hundred forty-five receiving yards last year. He hasn't had over five hundred receiving yards in a year since twenty seventeen. So like, I don't care how much you think Thielen's fallen off. That's egregious. And then Austin Eckler is like a top. 10 running back in the NFL at worst. I mean, he's incredibly talented, a top five two-way back in terms of receiving and rushing ability. To put him behind Cameron Brait is a crime of evaluation purposes for my, like, in my avenue of life. That, that's criminal. You, if you did that in the scouting world, that's fireable offense. Um, and then he left off Lyle Collins altogether. Now, 
an odd situation, like not a UDFA in terms of like pre-draft evaluation, but he was a UDFA. Well, Collins did not get drafted, but he's a top five right tackle in the NFL. Um, definitely a player you'd rather have than Cameron Bray right now that I think any team in the NFL would rather have than Cameron Bray. So, Mike Robinson, just, we need to do better in the evaluation world. We just, we, that can't pass. We can't have these takes pass for like content. It's, it's disheartening. So I, I have a theory for okay. this. I think that this could potentially be an error because it's, I'll throw it up on the screen right now. It's a graphic mm-hmm. the, in his tweet, right? So you can see JC Jackson there and everything. And Cameron breaks it for, it's totally possible that whoever made this graphic just like, misplay you know what i'm saying Put like if, if if michael robinson was just tweeting it out like one two three four right like yeah. it would be his list this could have been a case of like oh i fucked up the graphic because it's somebody who makes graphics i've been there let's you know? see so you know what i mean like maybe he tweets it out and didn't look at it and now it's like oh shit it's been up for 20 minutes and i'm getting like, <laughs> i gotta just ride this out it's so, very possible that's my conspiracy so theory. it does actually say on the graphic read the full breakdown at nfl.com slash Robinson. This is the first article he's ever written for nfl.com. There's, there's only one article that he's written for nfl.com, and it's actually accurate. He has Cameron Braid at four. There you go. In this Sorry, article. graphics guy. It Maybe is, I should read. Maybe I should join your book club. It is. It's real. And this might be the last article he writes for nfl.com. Who knows? All right. It's Acho time. If you – I get that these a lot of these are like – people that live online, but that's kind of my job. So I'm trying to like give you guys the best parts of living online and not all the other shit that I sift through. But this this harkens back to the, what we talked about off the top, the Kayvon Thibodeau injury. And obviously feel terrible for him. He'll be back though, only an ACL, MCL, yikes. Bad, bad for him slip there. Uh, only an MCL. Should be back in like four weeks. Should be back at some point during the, the regular season. So he will still get that rookie year to eval. But he tweeted out of the play, this is ridiculous, dangerous, and cowardly. Straight cowardly. He repeated it. He really thought it was cowardly. Prayers up for Kayvon Thibodeau. And then he just got taken to the woodshed by pretty much every other player that's played in the NFL, especially like offensive line Twitter, um, which is like one of my favorite Twitters. Uh, And basically just said, you know, how are you? You played in the league. Like, you know, this is legal. Like that's happened to to you probably. Um, and, and caved 14 hours later, though, he replies to his own tweet that again, said ridiculous, dangerous and cowardly. And he said, when used correctly, Twitter is one big family group chat. When used incorrectly, it is a cesspool of hate and toxicity. Shout out to all my NFL bros and the fans that are engaging in respectful dialogue around this play. Buddy, you were engaging in disrespectful dialogue. You called... Thaddeus Moss literally executing his job cowardly and dangerous and ridiculous. And then my other favorite is this follow-up to Damian Woody. He said, I agree with you, big bro. It's not dirty. Not a dirty play, which is why I didn't use that word. Words matter. It is currently legal, though I doubt for much longer. He described dirty. You know, he, he described he went around using the word dirty. He said, again, ridiculous, dangerous, and cowardly. Which to anyone with English as their first language would probably call that like synonymous with dirty. Those are, he's calling it dirty for in everyone's head. That's conjuring up that thought yet. 
Acho didn't use the word, so don't don't get on him. Do not get on Acho. And yeah, uh, that's become that's become again it's become such an occurrence with him. And now I don't think he's like ill mannered or like he wishes no ill will. He just like he 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 can't tie himself down to an opinion or a take. He just he plays both sides so often that it makes for great content. And he's going to fuel a good segment on the show. I can feel it. All right. Next up is the Would You Rather. We're going to do every week, we're going to do Would You Rather. And again, stole this. Shout out Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. He's writing a book, actually, about the history of PFF, which he interviewed me for. That is going to be electric. Trust me. There are some stories that are going to come out from this. We've told some on the Tailgate Podcast, but we haven't even, like, that's the tip of the iceberg for some of the shit that's going on in PFF. So whenever that does come out, I believe he's submitting it here sometime soon for like final edits and whatnot. Go check that out. But he gave me this idea. We're going to do, Quinn and I are going to do a would you rather of player, one would you rather, a unit, and then just a random one, whatever we think, something football related. So I'm going to throw it to you. And I came up with this one and then remembered probably about five seconds after I came up with it and sent it to you that... You are a Louisville Lamar stand. So I, my question was, would you rather Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson for the next three years if Lamar signs the identical contract? On that, on Kyler Murray's contract, would you rather have Kyler or Lamar for the next three years? So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not even going to get into really Lamar versus Kyler because, like, obviously I'm a Louisville stand. Uh, both my parents are from Louisville, so it rubbed off on me at some point. But, like, yeah, I mean, I, I like Lamar better than Kyler Murray. But I, I also will say, and I, I think this is the kicker, if they sign the identical deal – where I looked it up and it kind of depends on year the year, but like Kyler's taken up about 19, 19 and a half, I think up to like almost 21% of the salary cap. I think the Ravens would be, because they're just, they're a, I mean, no disrespect to Arizona. Although I guess, you know, you guys just went in on Steve Kime and <laughs> the Cardinals. So, you know, I, I guess we can say that, but like the Ravens are just a really well-run organization. And I think they could do, much better with the remaining 79, 80% of the salary cap. You know what I mean? Because you already saw it. Like when they drafted him, they said like, we're going to totally build this offense around Lamar Jackson. We're going to totally build this team around Lamar Jackson. He hadn't even really played a snap yet. And it works out. He wins an MVP. I have more faith in them being able to do that under the constraints of that, that contract signed than does Arizona with Kyler Murray. Yeah. I think that's a great way to look at it, like flip the situation. So like flip Kyler onto Baltimore, flip Lamar onto Arizona. Yeah. And I'd be saying, I'd be saying, you'd be saying, Ky- yeah, you'd yeah. be like, yeah, let me get Kyler. I, I feel much better in terms of just like success over the next three years. So that's like something that's like impossible to take out of the equation. Three years though, I, I think is still Lamar is going to have it for the next three years. Now I, I do worry about his rushing ability and pretty much fucking anyone's, you, you know, into their mid thirties and how it will, impact defense still but three years at his age there's no i don't foresee a fall off i it's tough i i think i go with lamar just because he will always give you a higher floor than kyler i think his worst play is still serviceable but i really am intrigued by what kyler will do actually studying four hours a week you know instead of playing was it Modern Warfare? Uh, Did you see that? It, have you seen him calling plays? 
It's he, not going well. The last week he did. It was Cliff was the one fucking up last week. He finally we recorded that with Austin after he did nothing week one. But last week he kind of dialed it up. Uh, have you seen that theory though about how his play falls off every year when Call of Duty double XP weekends? Yeah, yeah, that one. There might be something to that. Is there any way? I know in like golf, you can like track if like people put in handicaps, you can like actually go physically look how much they play. I wonder if there's any way to do that on. I'm so far out the gaming uh, yeah, sphere at this point. It's been I was a big Modern Warfare two guy, but so and like, Black Ops guy, the original Black Ops. But yeah, it's I mean that was that was ten years ago now. But yeah, I'm I'm sure yes, I'm sure there is some sort of data. Somebody's got that, whether yeah. it's like forward facing or not. Somebody absolutely has yeah, that. So if need, you're listening and you have that data, drop in the DMs. Yeah, we need either please. Microsoft or Sony come out, give us that data, let us know how often he's actually playing. I wonder if the car, like Steve Kimes, probably crazy enough to actually try to go through those lengths, try to get that, or like get a burner to friend him and then just track how often he's online. Just every time he logs in, just track that. What if they like had somebody on the staff? They like hired somebody on the Arizona Cardinals staff to just be like his gaming butt. Maybe that's why they yeah. traded for Hollywood Brown. Could be because I know he's right? a big gamer too. Maybe they brought him in and just said like, hey, you know, give us what you can on the field, but really what we want you to do is we want you to game every time Kyler's gaming you know, just report back to us and see what happens. Because we had that Hollywood Brown trade before the draft. Uh, someone, Austin said, an intern that games with, before the first round of the draft, an intern that games with Hollywood Brown said he's getting traded tonight. And I'm like, that's you, true. you're like, did, you mean Did tomorrow? we say that? Did that story get told on I don't tailgate, know if we told it on tailgate, that? but we definitely didn't t tell it on the show, but we didn't want to out him for, you know, spreading that info. But that was... We should, uh, we can get him to get a mole to be Kyler, to get Kyler, Kyler's gaming habits. Definitely could get in there with that. All right. So my, my get, my answer, I guess then is Lamar Jackson, but I think it's very close. That's why, I, that's why I posed that one to you. All right. What's and in mine, so I'm, I'm cheating. I'm kind of rolling player and unit into right. the same sort of question here because it's topical. Dana White came out the other day and said that he basically had, orchestrated a trade for Brady to which I don't know how that's legal right like yeah where maybe was the, he did I, no I it know, wasn't but, it wasn't a trade because they're both free agents but it was he, the Gronk, he basically Gronk was had orchestrated that which I you know wh whatever yeah he basically said Brady to Brady and Gronk to Oakland was a done or excuse mm -hmm. me Vegas was a done deal he was looking at houses and whatnot and then everybody's tweeting out the clip of Brady on the shop saying like you're sticking with that motherfucker mm -hmm. and it got me thinking how many teams would actually, given their like current quarterback situations, that's factoring in age, contracts, all that stuff. How okay. many teams do you think would actually stick with their current quarterback as opposed to let's call it let's call it two years? Two years, okay. Of Brady, that's a great question. I don't have to go through. I'm going here. I'll go division by division here. AFC East, obviously the Patriots. Uh, that's not happening. Um, Bill's not happening. I, I think the Jets would do it at this point. Two years of Brady, just even to like have those two years to play against Belichick, they would do it. And I think the Dolphins would do it too. So I go. The Dolphins did try to do yeah, it. Yeah, the Dolphins literally like tried to sell them half the team to it. So that one seems pretty evident. Um, Broncos with Russ, no. Chiefs, obviously, no. Raiders. You don't think they would have chosen Brady over Russ? So uh, I'm doing it more so like at this moment right now with what you got. He just got back from the Bahamas and yeah, he's got like okay, literally right yeah. now. You can okay. expect two years okay. of Brady at the same level. If we go back in like time, like the Bills would have done it going back in time. We, right? Yeah, back in time. Yeah. Josh Allen wasn't Josh Allen yet. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm going right now. Broncos, I don't think would just because Russell is going to be there longer. You could probably expect like six more years of Russell or two of Brady. Chargers aren't. Raiders, I mean, didn't, but I think they would, right? Like now, yeah, you yeah. got Josh McDaniels and you got Devontae Adams. And, like, yeah, they'd so, be dumb to not do it now. So we're up to three. Um, we got Ravens. I honestly think the Ravens probably would, right? I had them that's as a question mark. That's a question Just mark. because like, you know, kind of going back to the last question, yeah. their team is like built around Lamar Jackson and you couldn't find a more polar opposite yeah, that's actually true. than Tom Brady. So it's almost like they don't have the personality. Yeah, to make it work but right that now. being said, you know, Lamar is looking for a new, like, yeah, you don't know how, country. like we got to factor that in, but it's like, do we take a guy that's like literally couldn't be more different as a player mm-hmm. than, so I, I don't know. I had them as a question mark. Okay. I'll say no to the Ravens just because of the personnel stuff. Um, Browns, yes, right? After the shitstorm that they've gone through with Sean, they would in a heartbeat just be like, yeah, we, we fucked up. Yeah, Give us Tom Brady. I, I, I think that's more a case of like Brady. But, Giselle's not living in Cleveland. And yeah, that franchise, I mean, Brady's not going there. That really. franchise is crumbling from the inside out. Um, Steelers, yes. Don't even think we have to bait that one. Texans, yes. Colts, yes. Jaguars, probably no. I think they'd stick. Titans, yes. They're probably, their Tannehill's probably even gone after this contract. Cowboys is a tough one. I think yes. I think Jared do that Jared, in a heartbeat. Yeah. Just, just if for nothing more than to be like, hey, we got Tom, you know Tom yeah, Brady and the, Jerry Jones in the just same the building. the spectacle yeah. of it. Yeah. Giants, yes. Easy yes. Eagles, yeah. I mean, honestly, like that could happen. I've that if Jalen Hurts doesn't turn into something real this year, that could fairly. Wasn't that kind of speculated? Yeah. First, I think it was me that speculated. Okay, yeah, I knew, but I I had heard Brady and Eagles mentioned the same sentence before. Commanders, yes, we're up to twelve. All right, onto the NFC West. Cardinals, I don't think they would. Kyler, Uh, Rams, I don't think you move on from Super Bowl winning quarterback, even if Brady is theoretically better. They wouldn't do it. I mean, Uh, but how much longer does Stafford actually? I I mean, they're they're probably limited in terms of both sides. But like, are you gonna ride the horse? Gotcha there. Like at this point. That's like the brass there. Would I do it? Yeah, I would probably do it. Would they do it? I doubt it. 49ers, whew, they didn't want to the first time around, right? They passed. Yeah, right? they, they, they were, Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Like, it is a sunk cost in, Lance. Trey Lance, you sticking with that motherfucker? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, and I feel like that'd be easy to, like, I know they passed the first time around and he's like, Brady's a competitive mm-hmm. psycho and he probably. We'll never forget that. We'll never, but like, yeah. it's also his childhood team. I feel like you could very easily be like, "Hey, sorry, we fucked up. We want you to come and you know live out your dream." And he'd probably be like, "Yeah, you know, I would go. I will go with no for the 49ers. I will think that they a lot football guys in general struggle with the sunk cost fallacy. They are going to ride out the three you first round picks. Cleats in, yeah, three first fair. round picks to the to the bitter end with Trey Lance. Seahawks hard yes, easiest yes so far. Bears. I think, yeah. I, I don't think the new regime has a high opinion of Justin Fields. Just from literally, I was going to say everything they've done to help him, but they haven't done anything to help him. So nothing they've done to help him from from the from what they've done to hurt him, I guess would be probably the accurate way to say that. So I, I think the Bears are a yes in that. We're up to 14. Lions are a yes. Packers are a no. Vikings are a yes, right? That one, yeah, they would trade Kirk yeah, Cousins. Yep. They'd 
I mean, Quest yeah. even came out, right? He had that great quote. It was like, we know he's not great or something about Kirk Cousins to the fact. Yeah, like, it, no, it was like the kind of almost like when a coach or like a, yeah, like a coach gets the vote. Like, well, yeah, he's still our coach. And yeah. then that's like the, you know, that's, that's part two of like a three part, like, oh yeah, you're fired type situation. So yeah, no, I, and I, they probably, pro if they could bring in Brady, they'd probably be yeah. like a competitor, like right, right mm -hmm. out of the fucking gate, just as they are. And then the South. I think everyone in the South goes for Brady. They've got Falcons, Panthers, Saints. We're up to 19. And then obviously the Bucks themselves, they can't really include them. So 19 out of 31 teams, yeah. I think, are going Brady. You only got 12. You forgot, you forgot the Bengals, which is no. That's a hard no. I mean, yeah. I didn't even bring them up. I didn't want to yeah. offend you no. by even talking hard, about it. Hard no. So. Well, depending on who you talk to around here, some people say that they actually do have Tom Brady. That's, I mean, not even around here. We got people... That's a lot of national media. National yeah. media, despite That's their true. play styles being just like yeah. egregiously different, in my yeah. opinion. But I digress. All right. I was going to throw this one at you for the unit. And this one, I think, is going to be an easy answer on your end. But I wanted it more to debate on my end because I may go differently. But the Bengals wide receivers versus the Dolphins wide receivers. And just wide receivers, no tight ends or like pass catching backs. Just the wide receivers. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm like, I actually thought about it when you sent that to me mm -hmm. and I, I have the depth charts pulled up right here. I'm still going with Bengals because their, their trio, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, I think almost without question is probably the best in the NFL. But I mean, if you're talking about entire receiving cores, you could have a debate, right? Like, uh, like I think the Bucks total receiving core mm -hmm. is probably better than the like it's the like Bengals have the better tree yeah because it's deep because the Bengals like god forbid something happens are you know a twisted knee on a blade of grass away from like Stanley Morgan or Mike Thomas not the bacon hamstring yes. injuries Mike Thomas away from like running meaningful routes in December and January and like that's that's scary and I know that's like blasphemous to say around here but I still think with those because I'm look it's it's Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle is basically what you're buying into. Mm -hmm. Like Cedric Wilson Jr., he's a fine player. Preston Williams, he's a fine player. I, I still don't know if that's moving the needle enough to to really supplant that. Because like, I mean, I don't know if and I you know again I'm not trying to disparage my Bengals or anything, but like I just don't know if we're, this is like a once in a generation type. Like you won't yeah. see three receivers on the field like this in. I mean, shit. I mean, it. it yeah, I mean, you haven't. It, as I'll as be a grandpa. You haven't. Yeah. You, like, you literally haven't. Yeah. So, my, my take that was, you kind of, I don't want to say you stole my take, but that was what I was going to bring up in terms of that no one talked about with this Bengals team core. I was like, oh my God, the big three. They're so fucking good. You, you are one blade of grass from putting a guy you don't want on the football field at all. Like, the, the worst sort of four, five, six wide receivers of probably of any team in the NFL in terms of you got Stanley Morgan, Mike Thomas, Trent Taylor, Trent Irwin. I mean, Kendrick Pryor's looks solid as UDFA this preseason, but like not to the point where they're special. Like those guys, for they, they they're NFL players. They yes. belong on an NFL roster. But again, do you you know? God forbid. And I guess it depends on right. Like if if Tyler Boyd were to go down, mm -hmm. Trent Taylor could probably fill in in the slot pretty well. But I mean, not obviously not the Tyler Boyd level, but he could he could pass. Yeah. Whereas like you know, if one of your outside, if if Chaser Higgins goes down you like he can't play out there you know yeah. what i mean like you don't really have a good pass catching weapon out there and at that point like it severely hampers your offense yeah i, I would rather have i mean after the, the three deep on miami i would rather have 
Preston Williams over Randy Bengals four through six wide receiver. I'd rather have Trent Sherfield. I'd rather have Eric as comma from what he's shown this preseason over any of the Bengals wide receivers after that. So that's the one thing. I think I still lean, you know, fully healthy, three deep, all lean Bengals as well. But if I want the full receiving core, if I'm thinking like, you know, trying to win Super Bowl, what do I want going into this season? I think I might lean Dolphins. Yeah, it's kind of like DFS. Like, do you want the fair and balanced approach or do you want like stars and scrubs? Because the Bengals are like very top heavy, like stars and scrubs, Dolphins, a little more well-rounded. And if you throw in Gasicki, which I don't know, maybe he's traded by the time this gets published, but you know, that that counts too. Yeah. I mean, I know you said wide receiving core, but if you're talking pass catchers, like he essentially he's, is a yeah, wide receiver. He literally is. I mean, he probably should be moved to wide receiver. That dude's not not a blocker. Um, and I think they're finding it out there in Miami. All right, what's your next one? Uh, next one is the would you, so this is this is what'd you call this miscellaneous random, random. miscellaneous okay. whatever you want okay. player so, unit and then a random yeah so we both kind of stuck with a football theme for this first one and we'll see where it goes as the episodes continue on but uh, so mine is you are going to a tailgate would you rather have to drink warm beer at said tailgate or would you rather go to a tailgate with no food ooh see I. No, I think that one's pretty easy for me, and I think it's no food. I'm not. I don't love to drink and eat. Like at dinner, when people you know have like three or four drinks at dinner, I don't love that. That's true. Because I eat a lot. Yeah, you can't go to you know a steak. You can't go to Fogo to Chow and go hit the town after because you got there's got to be a nap in there somewhere. Because if I'm like sitting down to eat, it's usually going to be a lot of food. But I'm also if I'm sitting down to drink, it's going to be like a lot to drink. So it. I feel like shit if I do both at the same time. So I would definitely lean because warm beer is just tough to put down, especially the, some of the beers I drink, which are not good to begin with. Um, so I, I think that one's pretty obvious since cold. cold yeah. Beers. So I, I guess now that I'm actually thinking about it, this is probably a more age related question. Cause like we're both unfortunately into our thirties, mm. you know, sometimes you didn't I don't have to bring have it like, up. Yeah. I mean, we don't, it's you're as young as you feel, but uh like now like when i go to a tailgate it's like like there actually is food there right like it's not but you know if i'm and i'm also assuming this is like a 12 p.m college or one at p.m nfl right this isn't like like if it's a monday night football game you can just eat dinner Mm -hmm. and go afterward but uh yeah i mean like i don't know man like i just i'm at a point now where like you know people are showing up like not with a bag of tostitos like people are actually like you know Grilling, grilling, and do it. You know, I've I've been at points in my life where I'm trying to grill JTM burgers with the just a torn off piece of cardboard from a, a box of beer because I don't have a spatula, and like that's <laughs> that sucks. Like that's a bad spot to be. Or you, you show up in like Longworth Hall, and you're just walking around with like your 12 millers, like trying to find a tailgate that maybe has like some finger foods. Like that kind of stinks. So I almost am leaning like I'm almost leaning the warm beer because I can oh, I can just power really? through it. But again, like maybe if I was like 22 years old where, you know, you just stop it, stop and go and grab a bag of Tostitos yeah. on the way down. And it's like, oh, this will work, you know. So again, like that's what I'm saying. Maybe maybe now that I'm thinking about it, this is more of an age related type that you're going to get different answers depending on yeah. who you ask. Quite fair. It's yeah. Very cool. All right. My last one. And this is the debate that I firmly fall on one side of. And I'm curious your thoughts. End zone seats or 50 yard line seats? Uh, how high am? How, uh, excuse me. How high up? Whatever, whatever height feels the best to you at either position. Mm, I, I mean, I guess 
I guess if we're like we're just talking about just to view the game, mm-hmm. uh, fifty yard line, you can see the play. Like if if I'm kind of up, maybe like in the second deck, like club level, I'm yeah. getting kind of bougie now. But if I'm in like <laughs> yeah. club level second deck, yeah, you know, the owner lobsters and stuff out, you know, covered. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I think I think if you're like about halfway up on the fifty, you can really see the play like unfold a little bit better. Whereas like in the end zone, like end zone's fun. End zone can get kind of rowdy. But when they're on the other side of the field, there's plays that like when they're on the goal line, yeah. I mean, you're watching on the jump, like you can't even really see what's going on. It's just a mass of humanity. I see. I just love the angle better because I can't tell line play for shit at from the 50 yard line. Like it just looks like a mess. And then, yeah, you get you get the routes developing real nice and like that quarterback type of view. But you cannot tell like what's going on at the line of scrimmage They're like run plays. Run plays are just a mess from the 50 yard line. Maybe I'm just a purist, but I am in zone guy through and through that was the seats obviously i grew up going to which may have skewed me to that, agree, that's but a I do big think- part of it so like i kind of was trying to be objective there but like both at Bengals games and uh uc university of cincinnati games which i go to um my friends and the people that i will usually end up sitting with have end zone seats so yeah. i'm trying to factor that out right like because yeah. you know i would rather sit with that I, you know i'd rather sit in the worst seat in the house if i'm with people that I enjoy being around as opposed to just sitting in a, in a, you know, with randos on the 50, but I'm talking like just objectively speaking, I, I like the 50. And the other underrated thing about the 50 or overrated thing about the 50 is I was, so I was at the 54 that we got seats through PFF and Chris got him. I don't even actually know who got him for the Bengals Packers game last year. And when uh, McPherson missed the field goal, I couldn't tell. Yeah, that's true. I couldn't see if it, true. if it went in front Wait, of or one? behind the post. The one that was to the south end zone and he missed just to the left. Uh, I can't remember if it was like the, the game winner in regulation or what it was, but I couldn't, could not see where that one missed. And maybe it was Crosby's field goal, but like when you're at, there at was those a lot seats, of them. it's yeah, like there's a ton of missed ones. So I'm not exactly sure which one, but end zone though. Never have that happen. So also, uh, and this is we're getting way into the weeds here, but I feel like the stadium itself plays a lot into it too, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you like, I, if I have easier access to restrooms and concessions, if I'm somewhere in the, you know what I mean? Like, and again, it depends on where you're at in the aisle, but like that's a big thing too. Like I love ease of access to restrooms and beer, right? If I can sneak out during a punt and get back before the commercials are done, and I can get you know watch first down like that's yeah that's, that's a must that's a must yeah. no matter where you are that's that's that big. one's that one's we just we factored that in both have those let's for the stadium but yeah Got all it. right last last segment here since amazon i actually didn't know that they dropped it a few days ago their new intro music for thursday night football um i only ended up finding it today but we're going to power rank the theme songs for each network that covers the nfl and to me there is like a correct tiering of this Amazon's was absolutely horrible. Amazon's by far the worst one, in my opinion. It looked like um, Coach Fast actually on Twitter had the great uh, take on this. It looked like they had Alexa listen to all the other songs and just try to come up with their own song. They, they, they were like in the same mold, but it just had no energy to it whatsoever. So you want to play that for the people, listen to this real quick, and then it's just not great.
All right, let's get into the rankings, though. That one, a clear six. We're just going to do the top five here, which are basically every other networks. At number five, I think Monday Night Football on ESPN is the clear, like, worst of the five. It it, it has kind of like a showy it feel used to, to it. Not like, be. Monday Night Football used to be, like, the premier, yeah. like, uh, who was it? Um, Hank Williams. Like, that used to be... That was hot. Yeah, that was hot. And that was, like, iconic. And that's just... That's not a thing but anymore. But, like, the... Duh, 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 it's just... It feels like it's like bright lights coming on. It's like a, it's like you're watching a Broadway show almost. Like it's really gets that energy, but it doesn't feel like football. Yeah, anymore. it's a it's a letdown. You go from Hank like iconic type intro mm-hmm. to just just a it's a it's a mid off. It's yeah. just a bunch of mid. And then after that though, I think the top four are interchangeable, in my opinion, in terms of just like quality. It's like what you value after that. I think the other four knocked it all out the park. But my take is. CBS, NBC, CBS at four, NBC at three, NFL Network. And that one might be controversial because it's a little newer than the other ones. But the run of the playoffs, that used to be my ringtone actually in college. I love it so much. The one like the bells starting up, building up, and then like dropping. Love that one. And then I may be biased here as Pac grown up Packers fan watching games on Fox, but like Fox nails football. The Fox intro is just Pure football. Like that, that, that is like you are ready to watch on a Sunday afternoon. I, I want that like feeling that it generates in my life more, truthfully. It, it, yeah, it, I think you hit the nail on the head too with like it depends on what you watch. Cause like I would have had CBS a lot higher because the Bengals play mm-hmm. at 1 p.m. on CBS a lot. So like you get when hit. I watch that and I hear that noise, like it, my mind immediately associates like, okay, here's Bengals football. But Packers play on Fox. It, you know, 4 p.m. a lot. I mean, shit, like the viral TikTok now is the Fox intro with Joe Buck saying, welcome to Lambeau Field where we got that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like that's that's just, you're right. Like it is synonymous with that. And if you grew up with that, like that's what your brain's automatically going to default yeah. to. I will say NBC does a great job capturing like the grandiosity. It's like a very big song. Yeah. But like- Carrie Underwood. But the Fox really- Fox one, NFL Network two, NBC three, CBS four, Monday Night Football five. What would you? What would your top five have been, Quinn? You're putting me on the spot here. I I, I agree with Monday Night Football at five. Um, I'll probably go NFL Network at four. Yeah, I think that was probably my most controversial uh, opinion. NFL Network, NBC two. three, Fox, CBS, the Fox, CBS. Yeah, I liked it. Those top four are interchangeable. They 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 did it. They all did it. And Amazon proved how difficult it is. To really capture that ethos. There you have it, though. The first episode of Talking Ball. We will be back on Monday. Like I said, send some mailbag questions, if you have them, to the PFF underscore Talking Ball Twitter account. On Sunday, DM them over. Follow the PFF underscore Talking Ball Twitter account if you want. We'll be tweeting out stuff about the show, other stuff that you're probably going to want to follow if you are a fan. And on Monday, we have... Who do we have on Monday, Quinn? What's the guest we have on Monday? Hmm... I should know this. Uh, Bruce Feldman. Bruce, we'll be yeah, talking Brett Freaks Bielma. List. I mean, we, we've got a lot of them stashed away. Bruce so. Feldman is on Monday. We talk Freaks List, my favorite article every year. Um, we'll go through the Freaks List, probably the top prospects, highlights the top prospects from it before that. So that will be Monday's show. Hope you guys enjoy. Enjoy week zero of college football. Until next time. Oh.